A Soviet general is looking to forcefully disarm Western Europe with the use of a nuclear weapon. Now it's up to James Bond himself to stop this plot and save the world once again. Hello everyone, I'm Kale Luger. I'm Connor Izagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, if it wasn't obvious in the character I just named, we are talking about a James Bond film. Uh, the one in particular is the sixth one to star Roger Moore and feature one of the more outrageous, I can't believe they got away with it titles, Octopussy. This, uh, the film, like most, really, if we're bringing out honest, if not all of James Bond's films, was a huge box office, box office success, but it did trouble more mixed reviews from critics. Uh, many of them specifically taking issues it looked like with the plot and humor seemed to be two uh, punching bags for it. Uh, with that, I'll show it to my co host Connor for those good old scores. Yep, Roger Moore's later Bond films were not exactly that well received, uh, weirdly, because it was this balance they were trying to grab between like realistic cold war era spy movie and over the top ridiculous shit. Cause I don't know. Octopussy is rocking a 42% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 47% audience score. So this is pretty condemned by everybody. Consensus reads, despite a couple of electrifying action sequences, Octopussy is a formulaic anachronistic bond outing. Ooh, it's ana- anachronistic. That hurts. I like when they use big words that, like, I know what they mean, but I'm like, why don't you just use something more simple? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's like, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. We got, we get it. You can just say that, <laughs> <laughs> or just do what I do. You can't say a certain word that your your dumbass types into the computer, so you just go. You know what? I'm not saying that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I do agree. You know, the, some of the action sequences are cool. But the plot is so weirdly convoluted. I don't I can never I've seen this movie a lot now. I, you know, I watch the Bond films just kind of all the time. It's one of my favorite franchises. And this one is like, you know, Fabergé eggs and the circus and an exiled prince and a Soviet nuclear weapon and a bunch of tanks. And a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it all connects. I'll never figure that out. It feels like it never connects. Like at any point, it just like kind of happens and like. You're supposed to think like, I mean, I won't keep saying it because it's the fucking title of the film and the title of the character of the film, but you're supposed to feel like, like, you know, Octopussy at one point is actually working with Bond, but then she's not working with Bond, but then she is. And at no point is ever really clarified, like, what the fuck is going on with that? Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Like, is she the bad guy? Like, how involved is she with the bad guy? Is she like... Is she on her own side? Why is she sleeping with Bond? Is it because she's a woman in a Bond movie and it's in the contract? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And I don't know if I don't remember if this comes up in the movie, but I know that in the, the story, because at this point they'd run out of Ian Fleming novels to work with. So they were mining the short stories for just titles, not the not the stories. But the short story Octopussy, that's a nickname given to her by her father. Which raises a lot of questions I don't want answered. Yeah. 
You know, every time I wonder why, like, Pornhub has consistently had to put when they're in their t- top 10, like, searches every year, incest. I'm always wondering, like, how does that keep popping up? And then you hear stories like this, and you're like, no, we've been oddly fascinated with this subject for way too creepily long. Maybe she just had eight cats, you know? Maybe that's where that don't. I, I would love for it to be that reason, but I doubt it. <laughs> Daddy thought his little girl grew up to quite the woman. Yeah, that's that's creepy. He explored just... a lot of... Oh, I'm I'm myself out going down this hole for a joke. Let's move I was, on. I was reading a list of like weird shit that happens in the Bond novels and never made it into the movies, and some of that stuff was gold. Like weirdly, Bond really hates Bulgarians. Like that just keeps coming up. He's got like a he's racist against Bulgarians for some reason. And I don't remember anything else on that list because that struck me as like what? <laughs> and I just zeroed in on that. Of all things I struck you, you can't give me any more gold from that list. Gosh, I can't. You. I get while we're I, while you keep talking this thing up, I'm gonna try to find that list. You don't spend too long. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of talking from my perspective of this because as you know, I was a little bit of a late a late bloomer, if you will, to the Bond franchise. My my most of what I had seen had been the Daniel Craig stuff that I grew up on. And then knowing about Sean Connery, thanks to my mom having like the hugest crush on that man. Um but then you know we had our, our heart infamous, as I should say, Bonathon. <laughs> Never watching it like that ever again in my life. Yeah, uh-huh. that was a mistake. <laughs> we realized that on like day two. We're like, we still got two more days of this. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, it's a good memory, but not the best way to be introduced to the James Bond films at all. No. They all together as one like seventy-two hour long movie. <laughs> Just kept going, especially it's like especially when you hit like like Roger Moore because he stayed on for so long. You're just like Dalton, just give me fucking Dalton, fucking give me Dalton. <laughs> um, I did find the list, so here are some highlights. Um, James Bond throws up due to trauma at least once per book. James Bond inexplicably despises Bulgarians. A lengthy passage in which Bond shares his opinion about homosexuality is caused by giving women the right to vote. At one point, Bond gets brainwashed by the KGB into trying to kill M. The phrase "a gay, happy little crocodile." Yeah, real quick with the home, with the the homosexual thing. Mm-hmm. Are they saying that even because I know there's obviously been the big thing going on, especially when uh, Skyfall came out and he says a little line to Silva to basically say like, "Yes, Bond will literally sleep with anyone to save the country." Is the was are they saying that Bond even in the books is like that? Like, hey, it doesn't matter. I will fucking do anything to save my country no i get i get the vibe more that bond is like a hyper masculine man who does not who believes that homosexuality is an abomination and the reason why there are gay people is because women can vote he's uh, kind of an idiot uh, minister because this was uh, the 50s <laughs> the movies got more progressive got it yeah amazingly yes uh so yeah this is a long list, but there's some highlights. Google weird shit that happens in Bond novels, and uh, you'll find this list. It's it's crazy. God. All right. Well, on that note. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, uh, you know, like, I don't want to get to it because it kind of involves some of my question that I have for you. I got a two-part question, actually, for you this week. Um, but, like, 
yeah, some of these later Roger Moore films, and obviously outside of the fact that he is aging noticeably, <laughs> it's noticeable. Um, and he is getting paired with women that are staying the same age, like Paul and McConaughey, except we're seeing what happens when we laugh at it in days and confused, but it actually keeps going. It doesn't age well. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look good. And outside of that, yeah, it's just like his later films are weird because it's like they're trying to obviously like you got to make sure of like obviously you got and we'll get into a little bit with development hell on, you know, when it came to like how Roger Moore kind of was persuaded to stay on more films than he wanted to um yeah but you know with someone that was had a long tenure the fact that this happened at the beginning you know essentially the beginning of a new decade right they're going from the 70s to the 80s so now what what is bond in the 80s um you know all this stuff is happening so it's just like his his later films get weird because of it yeah i mean every film after moonraker feels like he was told all right just one more but then it kept happening. And yeah, by the time of you to kill rolls around, we're watching a 60 year old man, you know, stop Christopher Walken's microchip plot and sleep with a 20 year old Tanya Roberts. And it's just weird. So yeah, I, I think that if these later films, if they just, if more just bitten the bullet and be like, I need to retire because James Bond was looking too old now. And Dalton had gotten to show up around like for your eyes only. I think that Octopussy and A View to a Kill would be so much better regarded these days if they'd have been they'd been Dalton's films. Yeah, I actually always I don't I mean again, yeah, I don't suffer too much in development. I kind of feel bad for Dalton in the sense that like he was rumored for a long ass time. I'm not rumored, but like talked to for such a long time. Then even they finally decided to go with him and say, Okay, let's do you you're a bond now. Yeah. You got two films that most people now say were just ahead of their time. But like weren't that uh super well received. People didn't really take to like that particular iteration of Bond. And then he got he got booted. I know there's more to it, but you know, just the the, the short of shortness of it. I'm not going to get into every detailed thing on every film. Like that's for all the different podcasts we have. Um, but you know, he only did he was only able to do two films and then we got a new not anything like GoldenEye is a great fucking movie. But uh it, it just sucks because I really liked his I liked his two films. I really liked Dalton as Bond. I really liked Dalton himself. I just yeah, I'm with you. I wish we had gotten more Dalton as Bond. Me too, but I kind of I understand what audiences are trying to say here because I mean, look at Octopussy and License to Kill. I mean, those films are made six years apart and it's supposed to be the same man. You know, James Bond is supposed to be the same dude, at least from Dr. No to Die Another Day. I can't speak for the Craig films, but Connery to Brosnan is supposed to be the same guy. So you've got in this movie, you've got Bond dressing up as a clown and doing like wacky shit. And then in License to Kill, you got him lighting a man on fire for revenge. So like that's a big leap in character. And, you know, I get that. I wish people had been a little bit more on board with Dalton's take, because I do think that he's one of the one of the best guys to to step into those shoes and never really got his like his due credit. Yeah, I would have been, and yeah, that's why. Like, I, I get, I know, I. This is one of the few cases where I actually prefer the fan theory over the what they've told us. The it's supposed to be the same man. Like, fuck off! This has been going on since the sixties, dude. That guy would have been a fucking dinosaur still by well, that, the eighties. The fan theory is confirmed in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. There's one line in that film that completely okay's that theory. It's at the beginning of the movie where 
Lazenby's bond is, you know, fighting those guys on the beach and the girl gets away and he looks at the camera and he goes, this would have never happened to the other fellow. And then roll credits. So like right there, he's acknowledging Sean Connery. So there you go. Yeah. I'm about to say the fan theory is that's what they should just confirm that. Yes. It's just a title given to now again, obviously, you know, probably like, we'll build the Daniel Craig films. I always consider that a reboot of the series anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's my, my, at mind we pull for is that well those were like a reboot of i mean they even say it's a younger bond anyway at the, in casino royale shortly before no time to die came out i saw this really cool video that gave you a new way to watch the bond franchise that incorporates the craig films and makes a coherent timeline beginning with casino royale and ending with no time to die and it's really cool i'll send you the video because it's a neat way to watch the franchise that incorporates every film into one giant story and it really makes sense. It like all the it's Casino Royale happens, then all the other adventures, then Skyfall, where he's like supposed to be weary and war, you know, worn out, and then Spectre and No Time to Die. Like it was, it was cool. So uh, okay. I'll send you that video. Okay. All right. So I, I, I'll, yeah, I'll, that'd be cool to watch. Like I said, that's how I've always kind of viewed the franchise. That like, okay, it's just it's a guy taking on the mantle with each one, because especially like when they were. Before they were at least a little bit more willing to play ball with that one, when they were really trying to be like, no, I swear to God, it's the same guy. I'm like, the first one came out like what, 1964, 62, 1962. So you're telling me by fucking 83, he somehow looks like he's 60. I love that. The way I see it is you can't be the world's greatest secret agent if literally everybody knows your name because you are constantly introducing yourself to everybody. Yeah. And sleeping with, a lot of women. But if that's a code name that belongs to various spies who take on the mantle of 007, then it makes sense. Yeah. So that's how I viewed to watch it. And then, like, like I said, I, I feel like Casino Royale is like the reboot series because, again, they established that, like, the Casino Royale, you see his first mission, you see all that shit go down. So it's like, okay, you're seeing a young in the in the field bond anyway. And then mm-hmm. we get to watch him evolve to that. Hence why when they did what they did with No Time Down, I don't want to Fuck it, if you haven't seen No Time to Die, just fuck it. When they get to the point, No Time to Die, when you know they come off, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. Like, this is this Bond's, this person that take on the mantle, the first quote-unquote Bond, if you will, that we're seeing. This is his complete story arc that we just watched, which is really cool. And I, like I said, I'm looking forward to whatever they do next, but that's how I view it. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, now since we've been kind of beating around the bush, instead of beating around, let's just, just go for it. Uh, my question to you, sir. My first of two, uh, one to do with Roger Moore. So the first one has to do with him, and that is, uh, where do you rank Roger Moore amongst various actors to portray Bond? Hmm. And I, more than just where he ranks, I need some details here, my good man. Okay. <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, Roger Moore had the difficult task of following Sean Connery. Now, I know Lazenby did too, but he had one, wasn't great. He didn't want to do more. Moving on. Moore signed a contract. He's like, I'll do a bunch of these. I think he was afraid of guns, so he had to kind of figure out how to how to shoot that gun without flinching, which James Bond shouldn't do. No. And uh, some of his films are great. Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me. Epic movies. All great. Moonraker is fun. It's ridiculous. But it's it's Bond in space. How do you not get on board with that? They know it's ridiculous. It's a fun movie. But then he kept going. And 
the film suffered for it because he's clearly getting old. He's getting tired. He doesn't want to do this. He's sleepwalking through a good chunk of these. He's too goofy. Like, I don't buy that this is the same guy who was like beating women in, you know, Goldfinger and like, you know, I just don't buy it. And then this is like the same guy you're supposed to be like, you know, lighting people on fire and license to kill and, you know, solving Cold War politics and GoldenEye. Like, I just, Roger Moore is like the, he's your grandparents, James Bond. You know, he's he's a safe bet. Nothing too crazy or heinous is going to happen in a Roger Moore Bond film. And, you know, I, I want I want more than that. I, I think, I don't think he's the worst. I think the worst is Lazenby, but I don't think he really had the chance to prove himself. I mean, he lied his way into the audition. You're really going after Lazenby quite a bit. <laughs> he hurts you. <laughs> There's only two Bond films I just legitimately do not like, and that's Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Quantum of Solace. The rest of them, I, I have things I like about them, but those two movies I just can't stand. Fair enough, yeah. But uh, I do think Moore has his place in the Bond, you know, the Bond history. Uh, I just think other people are better. I think the character of James Bond is supposed to be, you know, darker, kind of broken, kind of soulless, you know, Craig, really. Like, I think he captured the character better than anybody. Just this, you know, this hitman who has no will to live, but does the job because it's all he knows. More had this like, you know, I'm going to save the world and then I'm going to go play a round of golf. And I just don't I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. He's, he's he's sleeping with all these, you know, beautiful, hot girls. I don't know. Connery could seduce. Dalton could. Brosnan could. Craig could. Even Lazenby could. But more. No. <laughs> Look, Lazenby could because I mean, as one willing to put on a kilt. And if you're willing to do that, you're going to be able to seduce. You're fuck. You're secure enough in your masculinity. To say I'm putting this on, oh yeah, you're you're seducing. Lazenby's whole movie is him just sleeping his way through that health clinic. <laughs> like that's the whole movie. It is. I don't blame him. I was like, I, I tried to do the same thing if I was in his shoes. But Moore is always like, you know, he he he's like, it's all jokes and kind of like he he expects it. Like he doesn't put any work in. He's like, of course she'll sleep with me. I'm James Bond. Like everyone else, kind of he had to earn it. He's just like, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Bond, James Bond. Uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Like I, I do really like the first couple of films he did. That he um he did. Like I'm with you. Like those first three films, quite a bit. Uh, Live and Let Die, uh, Man with Going Guns, Spy Love Me are fucking great. Um, and I do think like come and and you know, yeah, he's a goofier Bond. I think in the first three it works. It was like okay, here's a different type of Bond. So obviously how you know like you said you're not you're coming off the fucking role after sean connery for christ's sakes you really establish who the character is yeah um minus the one thing that luckily didn't say which was just slapping every fucking woman he sleeps with yeah the the slapping and the rape got gradually phased out over the course of the first few more films and then by the time dalton rolled around it was pretty consensual yeah goldfinger as much as i love that film dude god another horrendously named character pussy galore uh what do you as as a name for a character what what do you think is is worse pussy galore octopussy 
or Holly Goodhead, which is a real character. Oh, I know. I know. I've <laughs> seen the Bond films. I know. Yeah. I know. Some people, are, if you're sitting going, this sounds like an Austin Powers thing. It's not. These are actual names in Bond films that Austin Powers does make fun of. I could give um, you more. There's Molly Warmflash. <laughs> There's uh the, the Dr. Goodnight or the I forget her first name. Mary Goodnight. Mary Goodnight. Go. Sylvia Trench. <laughs> Chris, uh, like something Christmas. So he gets that fucking stupid line. Christmas, Christmas. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Christmas only came once a year. God damn it, Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's stronger uh, fields. They're, like you could go on. It's really ridiculous. Yeah. Thank God by the time they got to Craig, they stopped the stupid names. They just let Craig come up with the fucking lines to say that we're like, ah, there it is. Wrong. Strawberry Fields is from Quantum of Solace. They kept That's it. right. I forgot about that. God damn it. I look, I I've seen that film like maybe twice, and it's like I block it every each time. I know. I I, I'm, I'm with you. I really don't like Quantum. When No Time to Die came out, I marathoned the Craig films because I'm like, you know, this is a complete story. I want to get I want to get refreshed. I love, you know, I'll watch Casino Royale all day. That might be the best Bond film of all time. My favorite of his is still Skyfall, but go on. And then Quantum, and I'm like, what happened here? It's a snooze fest. I can't do it. And then we got Skyfall, and it's like we're back to perfection. But, like, what is this fucking, you know? Ugh, it's this. I hate and it. It's weird too because it's like one, it's one of the shorter, shorter Bond films. So you're thinking, like, oh, it's short. Like, it's probably going to be real action packed, real awesome. And no, God, no. No, yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, like Aldrin's like, you know, he established Connery established who this character was, and you know, to this day, like I consider him and Craig as my two favorite, like they're top tier Bond for me. I will say, Uh, Brosnan's grown on me. I think his four films are fun. They're not great movies, but they're fun movies. And I, I, I would seeing like, you know, Sean Bean and Jonathan Price and Robert Carlyle and Toby Stevens as villains. Like, they're all great. I I would argue GoldenEye is legitimately a great film. And the other ones are super fucking dumb. Yeah. But entertaining enough. Yeah. Die Another Day, especially. Like, I know everyone hates that movie, but that was my first Bond film. And it's special to me. And I enjoy watching it. Like I said, I'll, I'll say this. They're entertaining. I'm with you. They're entertaining. They're dumb, but they're entertaining. Yeah. Um, which I'd rather take that and sing through like a snooze fest. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, so to make... Ha- oh, yeah. So to have like Roger Moore be a little bit more goofy and comedic, I got it at first. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're trying to... Instead of trying to just one-up Connery, it's let's just do something different with the character since we got a new actor. Yeah. Like I said, it, I think it worked at first, but it's it, and you you hit the nail on the head when you said it. He kept going to the point that we have scenes where he's a fucking clown or a monkey or the Tarzan, and I'm like, okay, now it's getting too much. Like he's supposed to be a badass spy. Like at the end of the day, like I need to believe that this guy's going to like he can be suave, he can be debonair, but he can also kick your fucking ass. Yeah, he's got to be able to you know seduce these beautiful women win at cards, but also strangle a man to death and shoot him in the head. Like that's, that's a big part of it. I got to believe that this guy can not only, you know, he's not suave and de- not just suave and debonair. He's also a cold blooded killer. And I don't see that in more at all. Mm-hmm. And that's why to me, Craig and Connery have always been the two top tier. Cause they've been able to bring both. 
yeah to to that table like you can you know i mean i i, I like our our side like for those just so you know if you do ever want to watch these original films if you do get triggered by stuff like obviously a woman getting fucking slapped just be warned going into the Sean Connery ones he it's you know in all seriousness he slaps the women in the movie i just put that out there just so you know going in early on in goldfinger where he's getting massaged by a girl named dink and then felix lighter shows up and is like hey james we need to talk and bond kisses dink and says man talk slaps her on the ass and she walks away that's pretty early on in goldfinger so that should tell you exactly what to expect from that movie he sleeps with a lesbian i'll just put it like that i'm not going to scrap the scene but he, he sleeps with a lesbian he forces himself on a lesbian she gives in That's... somehow he turns her straight for the rest of the movie yeah so again i i stand by being a, component, a proponent of like look it was unfortunately the 60s were a much different time than it is now even though certain lawmakers in certain states definitely are trying to go back to certain time periods um but just know if that's stuff that triggers you in any way, sure, form, like that's the kind of con- that is in those movies. The Bond girl in From Russia with Love is literally a gift to Bond from Spectre. They're like, here, take this. And she's like, I'm here. I'm here to do whatever you want me to do, Mr. Bond, who I fell in love with after looking at a photograph for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's a, there, some that's of the in those movies is hard to get past now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, but again, if you're willing to like just feel like, hey, this is a 1960s film, it's not a 2022 film, right? It, um, they are, I swear to God, the Sean Carter ones are a lot of fun to watch. I quite enjoy them, but yes, uh, just content warning for those who do generally, you know, I, and I and I get it. it. It's definitely not the easiest thing to sit through at times. I won't lie, um, especially the whole thing and with the forcing himself on lesbian. That even I'm sitting there going like, ooh, that's. Uh, that doesn't age well. Bond turns Japanese and you only live twice. They give yeah, him that, eye makeup uh, and a bowl cut and they're like, you're Japanese now. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I was trying to. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. If we're going to if we're going to lambast the Connery films for their, you know, trapped in time problems, we're going to we're going to bring that up. I, I forget <laughs> about that until I watch something and I go, fuck, that's right. I think Diamonds Are Forever is like the only one of his that doesn't have any any like really fucked up shit. I mean, they've got, you know, gay bad guys who aren't a joke. They're legitimately scary. Uh, yes, but technically you could fall back on the fact that they are making gays villains. I think they're just villains who happen to be gay. Like their gayness has nothing to do with their character. That's just like we just see them holding hands. I, I'm, I know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying like that was actually on the other side of it. That's it. Well, they've always been my like some of my favorite Bond villains, and I honestly like didn't really pick mm-hmm. up that they were gay until like yeah. I was in my twenties. They, they are they are generally like as Bond villains like quite creepy. If I'm being completely honest, I quite like them. And the Bond girl is this like hard ass diamond smuggler who you know holds her own and doesn't let Bond you know slap her around. I mean, he still does, but she doesn't let him. <laughs> he fights back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I forgot the point. But the point is, like, Sean Connery and like Craig do like exude that ideal suaveness, but they can absolutely kick your ass. Uh, Dalton, I thought actually would be right below them for me. He'd be right below them. I think he had a lot more on the kick ass side than the suave and debonair side, but you know, he, I, I could believe he could do both. Um, 
Brosnan, it's kind of like the reverse of Dalton for me. I, I believe a lot, a lot more as the suave debonair. I think just because it's Brosnan, the guy just has, has class about him. Mm. Um, but not so much the kick-ass thing. He he can definitely he does have some really great fucking action moments in his films, and he does do really good. But it's just easier to believe the swap part than the the kick-ass part for me. That that's all. And then Lazenby is Lazenby. He exists. Dalton, I think I always like his Bond because it always felt like saving the world was his priority. And then like once business is concluded, then I'm gonna fuck this girl. He was always like. We gotta finish, we gotta solve this problem. Think lives are at stake, and then once it's all done, I'll break up the champagne, and it's gonna be a good night. Moore was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck all these women, and then if I happen to save the world in the process, great." And I, I like the priority to be, you know, the job once in a while. <laughs> how how would you describe Boston? Then now I'm curious. <laughs> he's pretty middle ground. I feel like he just stumbles into situations where he's like, "Well, I can take a break." he's like might as well i've earned it i've earned a treat for myself today i got like 10 minutes basically yeah he keeps like stumbling into those situations where he's like make it 20 minutes (laughs) but he also is you know forced to confront his you know best friend who he thought was dead who is now a russian agent and he's got to kill him like stakes are real in the browsing film yeah yeah that's true like i said i Golden Eye is so much fucking fun. Um, Golden Eye fucking rocks. Golden Eye is great. I fucking that one's really. Wrong. I remember watching it first time. Like, okay, it's pretty. Good. I don't. But then that was when it was when I had seen a couple of the Bond films. So I had no comparison. I'm just like, okay, it's a fun movie. I don't see why people forget about it. After watching the whole franchise, I'm like, no, that was a really good fucking Bond movie. I get oh, it. Golden Eye rocks. Top ten, no, for sure. I can't oh, wait to yeah. do. I love. You know, we're, we're spoiler alert. We're breaking out a Bond film on filmgasm soon it's not a brazen regrettably but i do hope to do golden eye one day i'd love to do that film proper oh yeah that'd be a fun one um but yeah so yeah i guess really like i'm kind of with you on roger moore like he he he's serviceable like he i think he had like really good early films themselves and then he he just kept going he's not exactly my most favorite bond i think the fact that he was in so many is why so many people just honestly remember him i'm not trying to like put down like his he he put he added his mark to bond i'm not going to take that from from the man at all but i think a lot of it also is the fact that he has been in the most bond film so a lot of people remember that i wish that the man with the golden gun had been a connery film because the character of scaramanga deserved frankly a better bond to go up against i mean that's such a cool story that would have been so neat to see him go up against connery is I would have believed that if Connery was only interested in coming back, but he was pretty much like he actually finally did the officer more and just said, "Look, I'm done. Fuck off. Leave me alone." And then 1983 rolls around and he's like, "Okay, I got one more in the tank, but not by you guys." And we will get into that, so I don't want to spoil too much because <laughs> I did not realize the interestingness that was happening with like the non Eon, if you will, Bond film. Yeah. But before we uh we forward over that, let's I my second question has to do with looking into the future. Something we've talked about obviously off camera quite a bit. As, as a lot as you know, as I know, as a lot of people know, Daniel Craig is done with the role of trans bond after 15 um years. Echoing Sean Connery with his I'm done, fuck off mentality. Yes. So 
amazing how he is also top tier for me and pretty much has echoed Sean Connery in every sense of the word. Um, so with that, obviously, they, they are searching for people and who they want to play Bond. So my question to you, now that we have the camera on recording, who are some of your personal contenders to take on the role next? That is a good question. There are so many great contenders for Bond. Um, my personal pick uh, is Richard Madden, who you all may remember as Rob Stark from Game of Thrones and Elton John's abusive partner in Rocket Man. I think he would kick ass as James Bond. He's young enough to to do you know a full franchise commitment for quite a while, and he's you know he's got the suave and debonair thing. I believe he could kill. Like you know, I've seen him in some hardcore roles. I, I he's my pick. Um, okay. I had Henry Cavill in mind, but I think he's committed to Superman once again. Dude, which, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I was really rooting for Henry Cavill, and then Superman, and it just brings back now like angry thoughts because I really liked him as The Witcher, and he fucking left that show. Uh. And I also I, I would like to throw Henry Golding into the ring. Um you may remember him from Crazy Rich Asians and the Gentleman. Uh, oh yeah. I think he would be really good. I, basically, I want a handsome, good actor who is English to or Scottish or Irish. Any any from anyone from the United Kingdom to play the role. That's that's my cop. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like of all the things that needs to stay like European, it's James Bond. I don't want to see an American in the role. No, the closest we got was Lazenby, who's Australian, and that didn't work out so well. Yeah, no, it's it needs to be a European. Um, wait, I didn't even think about Richard Man. I forget about him from Game of. I think this was the last thing I watched him in was fucking Eternals, and I goddamn hate. I did not like that movie. Um, well, he's you know he died in that, so he's free. This is true. He does not have a Marvel commitment. Um, I'd be down for him. He, I think he even fits in the range they were talking about. I know they recently said they're looking for someone essentially in their 30s and 40s yeah. um, that could, they could believe is somewhat seasoned. They don't want a fresh-faced person. Yeah. So he would he could fit that and, and yeah, he could be able to make that commitment if he was so if he was so inclined. Um I I know that um Roger Jean Page, the guy from Bridgerton, has been tossed around as a potential. Um I haven't seen any of his work yet, so I can't judge that, but I, he is gonna he's gonna be in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and I'm, I anticipate that'll be my first taste of his talent. So we'll see that. Okay. I will say um some of the names I have tossed around because I've heard, you know, obviously people have tossed around a lot of names. I was on I was on the bandwagon of people when they were like saying do something like Idris Elba. He would have been good, but then I'm like, yeah, but he's also like, I think he's like 50 now. I'm like, I don't think he wants to make that commitment. Yeah. Um. So, considering we're talking about like more aging, people are pretty hypocrites at that point. So we're like, yeah, more we got too old, but let's get fucking Elba in there. I also saw Tom Hardy tossed around a lot, but I love Tom Hardy. He's a great actor, but I feel like that would just be Craig again. Like, it would it- be. And hear me out. Have him play a villain instead. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. <laughs> like Tom Hardy is a great actor, and I think if they hadn't played a villain and gave him more to chew on, first of all, give him a great villain because dear God, Bond films, I I'm with the fans. They live or die based off their fucking villain. And if they have something like 
No Time to Die was the first time I remember watching a mod film going, your villain sucks, but thank God the rest of this movie is great. <laughs> usually I'm like, yeah, me too, man. Yeah, usually I'm going like, the villain sucks. This movie fucking blows. God damn it. But that was one case where luckily they for once made a strong enough film around a pretty shitty villain, if you ask me. That's my one beef with No Time to Die to this day. Is that like, really? That's that's what you did for the villain on the last Craig one? Like, okay. Um, I just don't find Rami Malek intimidating. And to be a Bond villain, you've got to intimidate James Bond. You've got to be a larger-than-life personality. Like, Christoph Waltz had that. Mads Mikkelsen had that. The guy who played Dominic Green in Quantum did not have that. But Javier Bardem fucking had that. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. Um, So, yeah, again, Tom Hardy. He could go toe-to-toe with someone. He could play it. We've seen the guy's range. Yes. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd be down to see him instead of playing Bond, but playing a villain instead. I'm more in line with that than him playing Bond. Um, Actually, you know what? On that note, let's have some fun with it. Let's Get someone like fucking Statham to play a villain. <laughs> yeah, man. I want. Yeah, I'm all about. Excuse me. Uh, getting creative with the Bond villains. Uh, I want. Yeah, it's been a while since we had like a physical challenge, physically challenging villain for Bond. Not just like as a henchman with like you know gold teeth or some shit. I want like the main villain to be intelligent and also fucking cut so he can kick some ass. That would be nice. Yeah, especially because he's fighting someone that, again, is supposed to be suave down there, but also be able to just kick ass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i much more, if you can't tell, I'm kind of more invested in who they get as a villain because, like, I have all the faith they'll find a good Bond. I really do. Like, after... I think Elba said, I don't want to play Bond, but I, I, I'd be down to play a villain. I think he said something oh, like that. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, look, I'll say it. Hobbs and Shaw are way better than the, than the last Fast and Furious film. Um, and one of those reasons because Elba was the villain and he fucking owned that so goddamn much. <laughs> yeah, man. I like, you know, a charismatic villain. It might be my favorite thing about, like, movie making. Like, I love a good bad guy. When you got a really, like, a great actor, someone who commits, you got a well-written character, you've got real stakes... That can define your entire film. And we see that constantly in the Bond franchise. I I want to see that again. Yeah. Well, and I think, and this could be like the horror, the horror lover in me, and to, and also you in that, like, you know, obviously in horror, right? Who tends to stand out outside of the final gores, but you know, the fucking the horror villains, right? We we go, we're seeing a fucking terrifier one and you know, two that came out last month. People were clamoring for more Art the Clown now. Like they are all about it after that movie. And um the same thing can be applied outside the horror genre. Like there's just something so insanely satisfying watching a good villain. And it's funny because they're doing bad things, but we know it's fate. You know what I mean? We, it's not like we're sitting there going, like, I can't wait till this guy actually kills him. It's like, no, we're watching it. We know it's fake. We know it's a fantasy board that we're buying into for an hour and a half, two hours, what you know, what have you. And if you bring someone that's like enticing to watch, that's Karis Maximilian, like it makes it so much better. Um, outside of Bond, uh, you know, like what they did with Black Mask and um, Birds of Prey. Oh my God, Ewan McGregor was so goddamn entertaining in that role. Yeah, he was good. And you can also, you know, on the opposite side of that, when you've got an underwhelming villain who just doesn't feel like he 
you know, lives up to the film, film's expectations and it can kind of tank the movie for you. I mean that, you know, I won't say too much on this because it's a fairly fresh release, but black Adam, I thought was a decent flick, but had a super underwhelming villain that just was like, all right, I guess this is who we're working with here. And that's how I felt about no time to die. I was like, really, this is, this is the guy Lucifer Safin. First off, really? You're you're not going to second draft that name, but, uh, yeah, I do the I fan theories for that were 10 times better than what we got. Like the biggest one people saying like, maybe it's like it, he ends up being Dr. No. And I was like, that would be so fucking awesome if they found a way to do that. And then they, they didn't fucking do it. What pissed me off so much about that was all the teases, like the font in the, like, you know, the opening credits was Dr. No font. Like they used the little dots. His Island looked like crab key. Like they kept teasing you with it and then they didn't use it. And I'm like, you assholes. Just, why would you do that? It's like Halloween ends. Here's the fight we were advertising, but we're going to give you at least like five minutes of a piss poor fight. And then Michael and only five minutes of the movie. Um, I hope the next Bond film follows some rookie secret agent played by the guy who played Corey in Halloween ends. And then at the end, James Bond shows up and is like, no, this is my movie now. You should just keep doing that for people to go back and like the films they hate. Like how Halloween ends was so bad for fans that they are now going, we liked Rob Zombie's films. Uh, <laughs> it does the same thing for Bond. They're just like, no, we like Lazenby's film. Maybe we were too harsh on it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny. I kind of hope that guy becomes like the poster child of this isn't the movie I wanted. He just keeps quick. Before I get back on the bond, have you seen the poster where it's like um someone did a fan first or like Halloween ends and it's like what background characters and then put Michael and Lori in the background and then fucking Corey <laughs> in the front of the poster? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's I mean it's true. I didn't mind it that much because I thought it was a decent flick, but I get why people hated it. And I get it. No, I'm you know. I know I let my anger. I'm glad you found something to like about it. I I am I did not, but I'm glad you found something to enjoy. I feel like I mentioned this at the end of uh, the filmgasm on Terrifier this week. I feel like we have to we have to unpack some David Gordon Green Halloween hostility on this show. We got to do kills or ends just to kind of get this out in the open. <laughs> we need to give it a break before we do that. But yes. Uh, yeah uh but yeah with bond yeah no i'm with you with the villains um bond you know it's it's a common knowledge amongst i know amongst fans i like a lot of times these these movies are made or live or die based off the villain not always i won't say always the case but nine times out out ten absolutely um that's what i say it was i was impressed in the case of no time to die where for as piss poor as the villain was, for once they went, okay, we can have a bad villain, but if we actually just do everything else great, that's the one thing they can get, they have on us, and that's it. I'm like, yeah, see, you can have a bad villain, just make sure everything else in your movie works. And then I can be like, oh, that's the one thing I didn't like, but I liked everything else. Because I connect that movie to the to the Oscars that Rami Malek won for, I keep thinking that if Christian Bale had defeated him that year, he could have been our Bond villain. He could have been Saffin, and then I would have been fucking intimidated. 
He would, yeah. He look based off what he was able to pull out of like Gore the God Butcher, which let's just be honest, wasn't the most amazingly written fucking villain. And what he pulled out of that, yeah, he would have brought it for that movie. Um, quick side note, I do, I just want to do a quick shout. Got the one shot fight scene in No Time to Die. Oh, <laughs> Bond's like having to like go up the ladder and like try to stop the bomb. It's like all done in one take. <sighs> I had a fucking like nerd burner during that scene. I'm like, oh my god, give me more. Yeah, I I was blown away by how many risks were taken in that film. I mean, you know, of course Bond gets you know blown up, but also like they kill Felix Leiter, they kill Blofeld. It's like at that point, I'm like, fuck, is Bond gonna make it out of this thing? <laughs> so yeah, I, I was impressed by they were very much like, this is it. So shut up. Yeah, next time we do this reboot. Yeah. This is very much uh, Craig being like, I'm out. Don't ever ask me about this again. I'll talk about me, Knives Out till the end of time. But if you even say James Bond in front of me, I'm going to deck you. I love the idea. Like, before he goes into an interview, that you know, they hand the pre, like, what they can and can't ask questions. And he's just always, every time, no James Bond. And they're like, is there anything else? Nope, just that. I imagine the card says two things it says James Bond and it says my wife. Like don't talk, you know, don't talk about Rachel. Don't talk about James Bond. He's he's done. He's done. He's like, look, I requested they kill me, so I don't have to do this anymore. It is uh-huh. nothing but Southern detectives from here on out. That's all he wants to do. <laughs> he's really committed to knives out. You know what? I did really like the first time out, so I'm down. I do too. I just love that he he I think I remember him saying something like, I'll do these movies forever. Like it was the exact opposite of James Bond. It was like, I love this. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I remember I read the same thing where he was like, Yeah, I'll keep doing these. I'm like, oh wow, someone's happy all of a sudden. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it look at the end of the day with them their search, you know. I know obviously everyone's clamoring. We're going to hear rumors. Um, but we probably won't hear anything confirmed till either if we're lucky next year, probably not till 2024, because they even said they're not really looking this year. I remember that that was their thing. They're like, we're taking a year break to look. Well, also remember that like Lazenby and Craig, like they were mostly like unknowns before they got the role. So they could just do a blind audition and get some, you know, 20 year old kid fresh out of film school who's like you know, got something. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what people forget. They got people that are unknown or, you know, maybe they had a few TV credits or, you know, like, you know, bite bit parts of their name and they could do the same thing here. It might be, you know, we're calling all these names, but let's see, we live in a world where apparently comedians are making horror films like Barbarian and, you know, the 2018 Halloween and obviously Jordan Pill. Who knows? We might find some, it might be some smuck that we just, might have laughed at in something or didn't really think about in a show we watched and he auditions really great and they go that's our bond and next thing you know he's blowing us out of the fucking water who knows who the fuck they pick i'm down to see what they do next as someone who really enjoyed the daniel craig films i'm just very curious on what they'll do next i love a franchise that is able to kind of you know reinvigorate itself whenever it grows stale with new ideas and a new cast and always paying tribute to what came before the bond franchise does that constantly every 20 years it regroups. So it's time, you know, let's, let's do this. Not every franchise is Marvel's interconnected crazy shit with all their, you know, continuity. 
sometimes you just got to wipe the slate clean and you know, yep. let's do it. The only thing I hope for, uh, if he's still willing, they keep Ray Fines as M. I mean, if Judy Dench can go from Brosnan to Craig, I don't see why Fines can't stay on as, as M. I know. I'm also, I really like his M a lot. So and I just like Ray Fines. So it's like it's kind of a win win. Yeah. I love you know him just telling Bond, don't cock it up. That's great. That's the whole relationship between him and Bond in that sentence right there. Ah, yeah, he was yeah. great. He was. Um, that's all I got for now. Uh, unless we got more to add, are you ready to move on to this film's development? Hell, I am. Let's see how Octopussy came about. How it got this fucking title. Uh, so. Despite some financial problems happening with United Artists, who at the time were the ones that owned James Bond, um, I know you're about to be like, what about MGM? So it's before MGM. So they the series started out with United Artists. Um, that company started facing some financial issues due to the release of Heaven's Gate. For those who uh-huh. don't know, that was a disastrously mm-hmm. bomb, a disastrous bomb of a film that came out. I remember Heaven's Gate. Pat- I haven't seen it, but I know the, the story. <laughs> yes. A uh, passion project that blew up in its director's face, unfortunately. I think that was uh, Mike Chimino, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they were having some financial issues with that. But nonetheless, they had their moneymaker in James Bond. So they went ahead and greeted another James Bond film. Because as we know, like I said at the beginning, when I said this was like most, if not all, the James Bond films, financial stuff, there's a reason this series has been going on for over 50 years. Because literally none of these films have bombed. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Every even no time to die, which got delayed, pandemic, everything, huge financial success. <laughs> All these are these are winners in the box office. Um, so the Greenland of James Bond film, and one month after they announced that, uh, they were purchased and merged into MGM, the current right holders of the James Bond franchise. Uh, writers Michael G. Wilson, Richard Maybaum, and George McDonald Frazier were hired to write a film based on short stories that you mentioned earlier from um, Ian Fleming's posthumous collection. So this was actually the collection was released after his death. Um, Octopussy in the Living Daylights. Like, you didn't have to work hard for two different titles. For those who know, they're James Bond. Um, and then, like you said, even though little of the short stories plot is actually used, they just used the title. They made a bunch of changes and went, okay, cool, we did it. Because at this point, I think they had exhausted all of the books. Yeah, they did. The only one that was untapped was Casino Royale. And because of the 1967 Peter Sellers abomination, nobody wanted to touch Casino Royale. At least until Craig came one, then they finally touched it. Yep. And that worked out really well. Yes, it did, because that is actually a really good movie. Um, so, as we know, this film takes place in India. Finished project. Well, initially, they wanted to have the film set in Japan. Yeah, we did that already. <laughs> yes. And we don't need to go to... We, we already talked about what they did with James Bond on that one. Uh, well, I mean, it's not like you weren't able to tell this film was in India, because it is loaded with every Indian stereotype under the under the sun. It's really kind of incredible. It's amazing before, like, as for as much as these films get more progressive, obviously, through the years, you're watching, you're like, God, you guys are not hiding that this is India or Japan or give, you know, get put insert in the country he goes to throughout this film series. You're just like, it's not even when he goes in fucking like Louisiana and live and let die, you're like, Jesus Christ. 
Yes. J.W. Peppa. You had to say it. I was trying not to say his name. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll never. And then he shows up again, I think, in, is it is it Japan? In the Man with the Golden Gun? He does, because he's supposed to be like the obnoxious fucking tourist, and it's just like the most cringy jokes. <laughs> yeah, the Bond franchise never misses an opportunity to make you uncomfortable by just going as like taking the worst approach to cultural sensitivity that they possibly can every time it's almost like they're presented with like the like you know the the actual like sensitive like you know to you know quote unquote pc option and then like how can we offend anyone possible and make everyone else uncomfortable and it's like they go with like let's go with that route let's pick the one that offends and makes everyone uncomfortable let's not go with the subtle approach at all you're gonna have romanians obviously traveling circus you're gonna have india let's see bed of nails snake charmers sword swallowers like come on uh god damn it well like i said i was recently sent japan uh the writer the third writer I mentioned fraser was the one that chose india as the setting because of his extensive research on the country for a novel of his called flashman that was reason one. His other reason was uh, the simple fact that the series had yet to visit said country. Hmm. Sounds like he was just like, I don't want to write two things. <laughs> he didn't want to do more research. He's like, look, I've already done the research for India. Let's just do India. <laughs> yeah. I I guess all the research he was doing was like, what? Like Three Stooges or Abbott and Costello or like all the goofy shit? Because that's that's all we get yeah yeah we don't if you don't get any actual like look into the culture it's like yeah they got stink charms over there right yeah that's right they have the guys like the six swords down their throat but anything else yeah we'll do that they eat curry right because i've got a good curry joke <laughs> uh boy yeah india good one fraser good good job bud um so the first draft, believe it or not, because again, especially pre-Craig era Bond films, for those who don't know, they were cranking these the fuck out. Um, there's a reason there's over 20 films. They were fucking pumping them out. I wanted actually, I think by the time it got to Brazos when they finally started to slow down, and really what Craig is when they finally were like taking time between releases. Yeah. There's a six-year gap between license to kill and Goldeneye. And then I believe it's two years then two years again, and then three years, and then it got rebooted with Craig four years later. Yeah, and then like before that, you would you it was you could get a film literally either one year after the release of the other one or two years tops. It was fucking quick. Well, and also they were like really confident because at the end of the movie they'd be like Bond will be back in From Russia with Love or in Thunderball. Like they would tell you the name of the next movie. Like they were that confident. And even oh. Octopus, he ends with James Bond will return in From a View to a Kill. They just drop the from. Damn it, I forgot about that. Yeah. They, I mean, but at the same time, like I said, none of these films have flopped. So it's like they know. They're like, look, we haven't flopped. It's coming back. Yeah, it's the it's it's an endless, you know, it's like Doctor Who. If you have the ability to literally change your star actor at will, your franchise can continue forever. Yeah, it's literally until it flops, until the people stop watching, you just keep going. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So on that note, 
The reason I say this guys, the first draft for this film was delivered shortly after the release of For Your Eyes Only, like maybe a month or two after For Your Eyes Only came out. So they basically looking at like how this all works, they announce it before For Your Eyes Only comes out. They start pre-pro before the film comes out. After the film comes out, they've already handed in the first draft of the script to get the ball rolling on a sequel. And guess what? You can call it cockiness or whatever you will. For your eyes only was a success, so it was like, yeah, we're getting a guaranteed sequel. Like a well-oiled machine, you know. So it's not, it's not broken. What's there to fix? I bet every franchise wants that kind of reliability. Just be like, we know this is going to work, so let's start the next one. Yeah, just get the next. We'll have that team work on that one. It's fine, then we'll get the next one side. The closest we have to that now is in the video game spectrum with games that like to come out annually, like fucking Call of Duty. Um. But I don't, you don't get that a lot in film anymore. Even like something like the MCU, like, yeah, obviously they are probably, they're probably developing film sequels before they ever, they are doing that before they ever tell us. But even then, obviously, releases are decide, you know, decently apart. It's true. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, they turned the first draft in. Um, then the writers of that, two of the writers mentioned Wilson and Maybaum, who are also attached for, for your eyes only. Uh, went to, uh, we were went on to rework the script for Octopussy. Um, they would discard his proposed opening sequence. So what we have in the film is different from what he had originally written. Um, but then they would, oddly enough, still retain moments which producer Rob, Albert R. Broccoli, um, had first criticized, and believe it or not, they are the scenes that. Get mocked, and they were scenes like Bontrest as a gorilla and later a clown. He Broccoli was like, Those are stupid, yet somehow the writers had final say and went, Well, we're keeping them. That's weird. That doesn't usually happen. Usually, the producer, especially if we're a franchise as tied to the Broccoli's as this, you'd think they would have final say over something like that. Yeah, it's a weird. You would think, like, I mean, it's a fucking Broccoli. Like, for those who don't know, Broccoli and uh, I think Wilson's the other one. Um, they were the they are they are tied to this. Like they, this is a family fucking thing now for these people. They are, they are tied to this. They are producers on this franchise. They are making their fucking money off this. Like, this is their living. Yeah. Um, Albert's daughter Broccoli runs the show now. Yeah. So you would you would think with that in mind, with how high up there and how attached they are to this franchise, they would have final say. But somehow the writers, I don't know if they just like turn in a different script, like what they did. They basically went, well, we're keeping it. I mean, I get what Albert, where Albert's coming from. He's like, you're going to make my secret agent a clown? How dare you? But I guess I guess I have no power to stop you, so carry on. <laughs> I don't get that. It's so weird. Maybe they ran out of time to shoot something else. So reason, carry on my wayward son. By Kansas just start playing in my head. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good song. But yeah, it is it is odd that the producer didn't like just say no, we're not doing that. Yeah. I don't know if it's that and it, I wonder if it had a that's a side effect of how quick they were in like getting a script done and shooting if there was like a a, a time crunch and it was like no, but then he's like, Fuck, we gotta shoot soon. God damn it, keep it in. That's the only explanation I can think of. That, yeah, that's all I think. Because I mean, if they're turning in a fucking script at, not that long after the For Your Eyes Only comes out, that means they are like, hey, we got to shoot soon so we can meet the fucking deadline. 
Roger's getting old. We gotta get we gotta get this in the can. <laughs> There's no way his hair is still that brown. Come on. Oh god, no. Unless that man has been blessed with fucking ageless hair. There's no way. Ah, which is actually a good way to move on to the casting. So this is going to get interesting because we're going to start the man himself, Roger Moore. So following the release of For Your Eyes Only, Moore had expressed a desire to retire from the world of James Bond. The original contract that he signed was for three films, which included Live and Let Die, Man with a Golden Gun, and Spy You Love Me. Shocker, the three that most people fucking like. And he's the most like tuned into the character because he signed on for those three films. Okay. The following two films, Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only, were negotiated on a film by film basis, which is why I think you start to notice him kind of checking out in those those later films, getting a little not as good because he was they were having to on each fucking film convince him to come back. <laughs> what is it about James Bond that just wears actors out? Every actor eventually is like, fuck this. Except Brosden. He's the only one who was like, we're doing the fifth, right? Yeah, it's funny. We got one, the one actor that was like, I want to keep playing this, and they did him dirty. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, it's weird. I guess it, you know, it's physically demanding. But it's also, you know, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. So, like, maybe just suck it up a bit. It, it's tough because, like, I get, like, the part of, like, the, you know, it's kind of like how, you know, Hugh Jackman said when he was, at the time, going to be done Wolverine with Logan. Not that, I, I'm, that's not shade for him coming back in Deadpool 3. I'm sure this is, like, a one-off thing he's doing anyway. But, you know, he made the comment that getting that in shape, you know, it's harder as you get older. And it's not as, you know, it, it's tiring enough doing what you have to do to be in that kind of shape like a lot of people go like it's just a lot of exercise like i'm like no they're skipping mills like they're doing a lot of fucking insane shit to look the way they do um and so i get that part of it but at the same time i'm like it's still hard for me and this could mean i don't say privilege just being being i guess like selfish and i want to look beyond my own like middle class living here but it's hard for me to feel a lot of sympathy in that regard when I'm like, you have you can hire a personal trainer. Your job is literally to do nothing but work out and eat right for that role. And that's it. That's And then you're going to get paid fucking millions when that movie comes out. Actually, you probably, based off of your contract, you're going to get paid before doing it after the fucking film releases all in the millions. Like it, and then yeah. and like literally your only job before it comes out is to get in shape and work out and look good for the movie. And then after that, you do what the fuck you want. Like it, it's hard for me to feel any some like that much sympathy. I'm with you, man. I mean, you know, if you give me twenty million dollars to play an iconic character, and you give me a personal trainer, a home gym, a nutritionist, and create an entire plan that is designed to make me get in shape, by the end of the year, I'll look like a fucking Adonis. That it's that it really is like hard to sympathize with people who have that kind of access and that kind of lifestyle and that kind of money. Like when I hear, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, it's tiring playing James Bond for 20 years. It's like, is it, is it, is it tiring? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, also 
it's kind of like a t-shirt like you have a guaranteed paycheck because this is a hugely successful franchise so you sign a contract enough you have guaranteed x amount of films that you're going to be in and make, make fucking money off of and like i said like i wish i wish so much i had just the time to actually work out and be in that shape like half the reason i'm not shape, other than my own laziness i'm not going to sit there and say i'm fucking it's not a little bit on me but like also just time like i work i come home i do with my fucking pets like by the time i really sit down i'm like i don't want to fucking do shit um and the, literally a part of their job literally their job is to just get into shape for the fucking film so it's like it's, yeah it's hard for me like i wish i had that kind of time and it's just it's hard for me to feel that that much sympathy I, I feel something enough to know that, yes, as you get older, it, that does get harder on your body. Absolutely. Um, but that's about as far as my sympathy goes. Yeah, because I'm also thinking, like, you you signed up for it. Like, you said yes. So, like, no one's forcing you to do this here. It's not, you know, you're the one who said, I'll, I'll take the $20 million. I'll get in shape. So quit complaining. Like you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. It uh, celebrity uh, not to go and I because now I'm thinking about the fucking dumbass shit that came out of Tom Brady's mouth. Um, do you hear about that with him saying like do you want to in away games like being on deployment? Oh boy, yeah. Let's just let's skip that. Let's not go into that. Yeah. That's a 45 minute discussion right there. <laughs> yeah, without getting too in that, it's just this. The general idea is that these actors that try to like. Or celebrities, I don't want to say, but celebrities. They yeah. try to make this sound so tough. I'm like, how is it tough? You have, when you do go places, they give you the nicest hotel they can. Yeah. You, so, Wi Fi and all this other shit you have access to. Celebrities, so like, I, like the richer you are, the less you pay for shit. It's so weird. And I just, I have no sympathy for anybody's problems when they make that kind of money because your problems are not the same as regular people's problems. That's just, a fact of life. You can act like they are, yeah. but they're not. Yeah, it yeah, it's so it's it's just yeah, it's really the gist of it's it's hard for me to debate like to simplify this, I guess. It's like but what I'm saying is like it's just hard for me when you have that much money, shit's getting handed to you. Like you said, you can say fucking no. The idea of getting that into shape bugs you so much. And guess what? All these actors that complain, like not saying Hugh Jackman complained. I, I absolutely adore Hugh Jackman. He seems like a extremely swell guy. But also, for someone who said, like, sorry about that, I had a cough. Um, for someone who wanted to get out of the role because, you know, staying in shape like that is getting hard on his body, you see him, he's still in pretty damn good shape. So it's like, I don't get the complaint because half the time you guys stay in damn good shape post the fucking movie. So yeah. what are you bitching about? I've never seen Hugh Jackman with like, you know, a beer gut and love handles. Like even when he's not Wolverine, he's still huge jacked man. Yeah. Then that I think that's the other thing that gets me. They complain, but didn't like Dan- Daniel Craig. If you look at him, he looks like he's still in pretty pretty good shape. So I'm like, I don't get your argument and or your complaint when you still look like you're in great shape post the fucking movie. I would love if we saw Daniel Craig after Bond and he was like 400 pounds and just loving life like he finally gets to be the 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 me i always wanted to be and it's just like dangerously unhealthy and <laughs> he doesn't give a shit 
doesn't care. <laughs> That's why I like, you know, I and and you know, like someone like Brendan Fraser, I have all the respect for because he legitimately has said, like, hey, look, I was when people are like, man, you know, on the flip side, people are like, man, why don't you get back into that shape you were for the mummy and stuff? Because you know, he obviously got very big, mostly for the film. I, I'm sure some of it was some mental problems he had to face on his own. Um because of things we know about it that happened to him that kind of derailed his career there for a second. Yeah, um, yeah. But a lot of it was for a movie. Um, and people were like, you know, why don't you get back? And I, he, he has straight up said like, man, by mummy three, I was had ice packs on me between takes. Like I was broken. And I'm like, seeing that, that I can sympathize actually sympathize. Well, Cause I'm like, that is what I'm talking. That's the dangerous side of it. Like, you want to be in this great shape and look like a certain way, but it's, it can, it can be bad. Yeah. It's completely different when there's an actual, you know, injury and it's detrimental to your health. Then I, you know, I totally get it. I got nothing but respect for Brendan Fraser and everything he's been through. I just don't like when it's actor, you know, celebrities being like, you know, making that deployment line or talking about how, you know, being photographed by the paparazzi feels like they're being raped. It's like, come on now. Let's, let's not say that shit. I just, I want people to acknowledge when they're on a different pedestal of society and just either spit on me or don't, but don't lie to me about it. Yeah. Don't lie to me. Don't. Yeah. Especially that whole deployment thing. Like when I heard that as a, as a, as a, as a member of the military, like I'm like, no, it's not, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got nothing but contempt for people who try to act like they know what being a soldier or being in the military is like. Like if you're not, you either have been, you're either in the military or you're not. You can't act like you were if you weren't. Yeah, I think that's, isn't that illegal? Stolen valor. Stolen valor, but that would be like he puts on like a if he was in like actual like what I like in the uniforms I were. To work. Oh, okay. So if he like took a uniform and acted like he was enlisted, then he would. Okay, I got you. Then it's stolen valor. Him just saying that just shows how much of a dumbass he is. That's all that is. I wish that that would be like. I wish that like the cops had swooped in. It's like no, nope, no, nope, you can't say that. <laughs> he just got like, you know, not like hard time, but you know something. Yeah, right. But no, it's, instead, I mean, instead we just all got to like laugh and be like, oh my God, that did not just come out of his mouth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's getting back to this. I think, yeah, I don't. Actors, please stop trying to convince me that the workout thing is the, such a, I should sympathize with. The point here is Roger Moore had every opportunity to not do this. Yeah, he could have gotten out. Like, I. I <laughs> Could have gotten out, but it's it was fine. Yeah, Dalton could have gotten a bigger run, might have gotten a little bit more respect. View to a Kill would probably be regarded as one of the best Bond films. I do think that Roger Moore is the only part of that movie holding it holding it back from greatness. <laughs> but you know, we don't live in that world. No, we don't. Well, the world we do live in. Well, okay, before I get back to him, them convincing him, so. Because of Moore's reluctance, they did actually, the producers did go on a semi-public press for the next Bond. So they did legitimately actually auditions of people saying, okay, if you're not going to come back, we'll look at other people. Mm. And these were the names that came up. So people they looked for did not screen test, though. I'll get to those in a minute. Um, The first name was a gentleman named Lewis Collins. 
And the second one, and the reason I'm saving him for last because we've mentioned him already, Timothy fucking Dalton. He got cock-teased for so long <laughs> with the Bond role. Like, he really did. Like, we'll call you. It's No, 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 we'll call you. We promise. <laughs> it is amazing. Okay, so you have, like, on his end, he got cock-teased getting it. And then you have Brosnan who got cock-teased on being told he's not playing Bond anymore. Because didn't he not even really find out till they were looking publicly for a new Bond? He goes, oh, okay. Well, also, like, Brosnan went through the same thing. I mean, you know, after he was he did, he did that Remington Steel show, and he was, like, the favorite to be Bond. But then also, like, he was too young at the time. So, like, they waited and, like, told him, like, no, we'll get, you're going to get it. You're the first guy. We promise. And then eventually they did give it to him. But, like, they just keep doing that shit. And, yeah, they didn't tell Brosnan that they, like, they didn't tell him they were breaking up. He found out when, you know, he saw his, he saw her profile on Tinder. He's like, what? We're over? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> it's like, I'm with Daniel now. You got to get over it, Pierce. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Me a fifth movie. <laughs> we went on four decent dates what you don't want like what's wrong with a fifth we could do a fifth I'm it could be great i'm sorry the, i'm sorry that after the first the other three didn't match the quality but i promise you the fifth one was going to match it <laughs> oh man that's gotta be that's gotta suck though finding out like oh i'm fired well i wish somebody had said something yeah right like oh well that's good i guess i can actually go look for other film roles now instead of hoping that i'm doing a fifth james bond movie guess i'll do mamma mia see you in greece assholes (laughs) but uh yeah timmy dawson they cock teased all the way back to this one (laughs) and now he they went on a. This was just like I guess his name was thrown out. They talked to him. They never screen tested him. So they even cocked him for, but not even screen testing him. <laughs> they did screen test three individuals though. Again, I'm going to save the big name for last. First two, we got Mr. Michael Billington. And I already, don't, they I already screen- don't like him. <laughs> I, it's because of the last name. Yes, I don't want no Billington as my bond. Sounds like an accountant in like. Like Westchester, I don't know. See if you like this name better, Oliver Tobias. Nope. Right. I mean, the very fact that really I don't, don't know who are proves that there might not have been career potential here. No, you will know this third person. You have. I don't think you'll agree with it at all because I didn't. Are you ready for this third guy? Are you Sock Are you prepared? Sock it to me. You're you're sitting down right now. I believe so. Okay. James Brolin. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine if just out of the blue, fucking James Brolin shows up as James Bond and everyone's just like proud? Everyone's <laughs> like, look, we got a new guy. Look who's gonna be our new Bond. And it's this brash American asshole. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. He was screen tested. That's amazing. Where, where is he? Ha- 
Where is he from? I'm gonna look this up because I know it's not fucking England. He's not he's from America. I, um, I have more than I have more than him, but we'll get back to that in a minute. I'm gonna loop back to him in a second because we're gonna get a laugh out, especially because we just made a, a joke about a certain thing. He's from LA, by the way. That's our new James Bond would have oh, been from California. <laughs> God. South Sad. Oh, look. He just like throwing up like blood or crypt signs or something like Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just can't imagine an American bond at all. It's just all suddenly all the jokes fall flat, the suaveness disappears. <laughs> yeah, suddenly the yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, uh, the um seduction becomes a lot creepier. Oh god. Uh <laughs> Well, he was screen tested, and it doesn't end there with him. But before I get back to him, let's loop back to more and how they convinced him. Producers had a problem. You mentioned it earlier. Rival non-Eon Bond production <laughs> Never Say Never Again was announced with you. You guys ready for this one? Sean fucking Connery starring. (laughs) Around the same time this was happening. What an unexpected twist. Yes. So producers would persuade Moore to continue the role because they thought having the established actor as Moore, who's played this character for a while now, would fare better against, obviously, the former Bond being on the fucking big screen. That's true. You don't want to risk a new guy when you've got the first guy creeping up on you like he owes you like you owe him money. Like yeah. In- <laughs> yeah, whole, it uh yeah. The whole fucking existence of Never Say Never Again is so bizarre that they like were able to make a non canon Bond film that was also a remake of Thunderball and Sean Connery wanted to do it. Like while there's also a real Bond film happening, like what? Yeah, yeah, and then they did it. I think they do it like twice, technically. What do you mean? Wasn't Casino Royale a non-canon Bond film also before all this went down? Yeah, but that was more of a like a parody attempt. Like five different people play James Bond, like Peter Sellers, Woody Allen, uh, a couple other people. It was like a two and a half hour long like attempted parody that just didn't land right. So, but this was like, we're going to make a Bond film without you and you can just shut the fuck up. Like that, that's the vibe I got here. Uh, have you seen this one? This non-canon I, Bond film? I tried to watch it when I was a kid. I thought it was boring. I didn't finish it, but that was when I was like 12. So I, I haven't tried to watch it since. Okay. I haven't bothered watching anything else out of what's like quote unquote canon. So I have no idea how, how, how it fares. Yeah, I just don't know if I can take like a fifty-year-old Connery with a with a hairpiece trying to be Bond again. I just I don't. I feel like it's just gonna make me sad. Makes everyone sad. <laughs> Although, uh, I'm curious to see Max von Sydow as Blofeld. I feel like that would work. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, but yeah, so that was their problem. And as you can probably see in the final product, that's what they were able to use to convince more to come back. 
He's probably something, and every time I'm out, every time I think I'm done, he pull me back in. (laughs) (laughs) All he wants to do, (sighs) hire to the countryside with his golf and his money and his, I'm sure, grandkids at that point, and just live life. (laughs) But James Bond just keeps calling. Uh, but guess what? Guess we were also not knowing. Let's add a new wrinkle to this. We're not knowing James Brolin. Jesus Christ. It's been Jesus. reported. It's been reported he had been hired and was about to move to London to begin work. And Ooh. found out at the last minute they pulled, like, they did with Brosnan a, oh, yeah, we got more back. Should have told you that sooner. James Brolin never once thought, hey, maybe I'm not the right guy for this. No, not at all. I'm Bond. James Bond. Yeah, no. doesn't fly. Look, I don't want to hear that. Seen beyond belief. I don't want to hear that in a voice that sounds like mine. <laughs> right, look, I'll say, as someone who has seen Beyond Belief, fact or fiction, uh, both Wood and Jonathan Franks hosted it, and then uh, James Brolin hosted it. That's my knowledge of James Brolin. Yeah, no, 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 no. I may have said this on the podcast before. I don't remember. We've done so many of these. But when I was a kid, I didn't know Dean Kane was an actor. I thought he was just the Ripley's Believe It or Not guy. And then when I saw him in a movie, I was like, is that the Ripley's guy? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know Jonathan Frakes was in fucking Star Trek. So as a kid, I was like, oh, this guy's a good host in this show. He's the Believe Beyond Belief guy. And I was like, that's Riker. I'm like, who the fuck is Riker? <laughs> He's like Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's funny. So many people know Dean Kane is like Superman, and I'm like, when I saw the poster for like Lois and Clark, I'm like, that's the Ripley's guy. What's he doing in Superman's costume? What's this? <laughs> why? Why is the Beyond Belief guy not able to sit in a chair properly in this show? What the fuck? <laughs> I've heard about that, yeah. <laughs> I watched the clip. He just pulls a chair out and then sits on it. And I'm like, just no, the back, the, the back part is for your back, not for your front. I thought it, I, I remember reading somewhere it's like he had back issues or something, and that's why he had to do that. I think, yeah, I think it was like he had, he had like, he had like, uh, I guess like a surgery or something, like fucked up his back. So that's why he did it. But it just became a good, like a funny moment in the show. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's been reported. Now, granted, Broccoli obviously has refuted or disputed these these statements that he was about to be cast as Bond. So he he claims that's not what happened. I would love to hear. He claims not I want to hear what James Brolin has to say about this. James Brolin doesn't have shit to say about this either anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. He does not care. How? He's like what, like 80, 90 something now. I don't know. I keep thinking he's dead, but he's not. He's uh, born 1940. I spend most of the money I made in phone calls. That's a weird quote. Okay. What if we do find out, like, by doing this, we do find out he's dead? My God. Like, he dies tomorrow. That would suck. I'd feel bad. Yeah. Um... But on that, let's let's move on to the title character because we didn't just end up with Mod Adams. 
Uh, several actresses were announced before uh, she got the role. Uh, for those who don't know, Maude Adams is actually, this is not her first foray with Bond. She was also in The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, yeah, which I believe was Roger Moore's first uh, slap. Because he, he decks Maude Adams in Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, he does. That's right. Doesn't yeah. he? He grabs her arm and she's like, you're hurting me. And he's like, you're hurting my arm. And he says, I'll break it if you don't tell me what I need to know. Like casually just like, yes, I'm going to torture you because I'm James Bond. It's just, yes, I don't believe it. Roger Moore. I believe Connery would do it. And then I think Roger Moore would do it. <laughs> and then four movies later, that was, I guess, a turn on for her. And she's sleeping with him a lot. Slept with him in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> God damn it. So they had some big names that they were at first looking at. Um, Sybil Danning was initially announced for the role of Octopussy, uh, but never actually ah, cast um, with it being claimed her personality was too strong. That that reads to me as I'm not playing a character named Octopussy. (laughs) Yes. It's it's depending on who's who who said like which side of the story it's I don't want to play a character with the name of Octopussy or she's difficult to work with. Again, probably depending on who you ask with how that term is used. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> who else they get? Uh they they considered Faye Dunaway, but she was deemed too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. She's not playing anybody named Octopussy either. And also, she legitimately is difficult to work with. I've I've heard some stories about Faye Dunaway. Um, Now, at this point, there's a bunch of names. Forgive me on some of these names coming up, if I can't say them right. Uh, The actress Barbara Carrera was offered, but she turned it down for uh, Never Say Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll be in a Bond movie, but not this super derogatory one i'm gonna be in the in the good one potentially let me the one with the original bond how's that sound <laughs> the one that slaps his woman uh does this whole thing feel oddly personal by connery to you a little bit like where does where's the beef here but i feel like there is there's an un, unstated beef that we don't know about where he's like i'm gonna take some bond money away from this one even though he really pointed out by his last film. Yeah, it's been, what, 12 years since his last Bond outing? And you're still thinking about it every day? Like, Thunderball wasn't that good. I should do another one. <laughs> I got to do Thunderball again. Somebody get me my hairpiece. <laughs> every time I think of like his voice now, thanks to that recent Bill Burr special, it just goes back to that. Just a little. How he... Yeah, how he jumped into that fucking like that uh oh god damn what's the word I'm looking for the the voice so easily like the accent yeah 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 how he just slipped in that so fucking easy on stage yeah so why are you guys complaining that he just want to slap them around a bit Uh, next up, so in a moment of actually trying to be PC, because, you know, they're planning to shoot this in India, um, and actually getting with the times for once, they did audition two Indian actresses. Um, again, this is why I say in advance, forgive me for fucking these names up. I am sorry in advance. 
uh, Miss Persis Kambata and Susie Cowho. Um, again, I apologize in advance. Um, they were also considered. Um, so I was, I kind of impressed. I'm like, oh, okay, look at that. You're filming in India. You're looking for Indian actresses. It makes sense. They were obviously not fucking put into it because at the end day, it's still 1980s America. Or Britain. Sorry. 1980s Britain. Um, finally, oh, get ready for this one. Trap in, buddy. Two white actresses were auditioned by the name of Barbara per- uh, Parkins and Kathleen Turner. I thought you were going to say Barbara Streisand, James Brolin's wife. I was like, what? No, okay. No, no. Uh, Kathleen Turner is the bigger name here that I think most yeah. people know. Uh, Kathleen Turner, and this is why I said strap in. They auditioned them due to it being thought that they could pass off as Indian. God, I'm not surprised. This is this is Hollywood. It's It's all just assholes making bad decisions for the most part. 1980s. Now I've seen a few of Kathleen Turner's movies. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I've been to India myself. Um, they're not white. Just going to say that right now. You're saying that you didn't constantly think you were running into Kathleen Turner. It is exactly what I'm saying. Yes, that's what Hollywood producers apparently think India's like. It's just every other woman kind of looks like Kathleen Turner. So who who knew? <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, you've got. I was sitting there typing this thing, like, okay, nothing too controversial, nothing too that doesn't age well, right? And I saw that, and I was just like, went fuck. It's like the. It's like they had to meet a quota and they fucking met it. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's exactly what happened. It's almost like they went, wait a minute, we haven't done anything that would not age well. Let's 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 change that. We got some white actresses that we think would totally pass off as Indian. Audition them. I bet they auditioned them alongside the Indian actresses. Like, we got you, but then we got you who look like you, and you're white, so that'd be better for the bottom line. You you can leave. Like I bet that's exactly what happened. That whole scenario hurts my head so much, doesn't it? But I bet it happened all the time. Uh, it probably happened consistently. Well, like I said, uh, I've been to India personally. Josh has been to India personally. I would hope that most people know at least what Indians look like to know that no, a white, any white person is not passing off as Indian. Well, I think the plan was probably uh paint up Kathleen Turner. Oh boy. All right. Yeah. That's probably where we were going with that. Well, ultimately let's get out of this before a hole starts getting dug. Uh, as stated earlier, the role will go to Maud Adams. She did finally. She ended up getting it. Um, and then on a quick, kind of, kind of sad note, um, this would be the first film in the franchise to feature Robert Brown as M, mm-hmm. following Bernard Lee's un, you know, unfortunate passing in 1981. 
Yeah, he hung in there. He was M for, I think, the longest and really still my favorite now. I love Bernard Lee and just his, you know, grow up 007 and just, you know, constant jabs at Bond. But he's always like, he's the man to get the job done, but damn it, I don't like him. <laughs> I like I like that. I always love, like, especially, like, these these earlier films, the exasperated look on his face when they're like, where's Bond? And there's always a, you know, a joke made about him sleeping with a woman. There's the look on M's face. It's just like, God damn it, Bond, get back. We've paid you to do the job. You did the job. Get the hell back here. My favorite Bernard Lee and Bond interaction is in Diamonds Are Forever, where Bond is being asked about, like, diamonds. But first he, like, talks about this vintage of sherry and he's like no this is actually 1851 the finer vintage and then he starts talking about diamonds and he's like i don't know much about diamonds and m's like it's nice to find a finally find a subject you're not an expert on bond it just gives him this look of like why did we we didn't need to talk about the sherry there's a we're on a schedule here (laughs) i loved it yeah yeah most of the actresses get to play m are really good i do say i usually like them like bernard lee um, obviously Judy Dench was fucking stellar. Um, I've really liked Ray Ray F- Fine since he's taken over. I think he's been great. Robert Brown's good too. He just I think he gets overshadowed by everyone else. Yeah, no, he he's good. I think yeah, it's just like you look at the ones around him who are like like great, like generally like you, they pop. And Robert Brown does good. He's very serviceable for and he, I think he has one of the shorter time run times. Yeah, uh, tenure as 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 him. It was uh, Octopussy to License to Kill. Yeah, because then Judy Dench comes in on the first uh, Bryson film, GoldenEye, mm-hmm. um, where she fucking... I do like how she just trades bonds for him. Like, she's like, Bond, shut the fuck up. You're not You're not going to insult me. Do your goddamn job. Yeah. I, I, love, I love Judy Dench so much in the role. You're an outdated misogynist dinosaur. That's <laughs> what she calls him when they first meet. <laughs> and he's just like, ouch. Yeah, even he had a look of like, I kind of hurt. Don't usually get that fucking personal M. <laughs> but they had the best relationship. Judy Dench and Bond had the best, like, you know, respect, I think. There was like, she knew, she hated the way he did it, but she always trusted him to do the job. Yeah, uh, I think one, like, her, one of her, my, her finest performances in the role is actually her final one in the role uh, in um, Skyfall um, and how she's like, playing that side of like she generally believes in bond and trust him but you know she has to do her job at the end of the day um but she also doesn't let those witticisms fly like when bond just shows up in her apartment she's like now get out of my house doesn't even let the man stay over just get out of my house bond leave i love when the in casino royale when he like breaks into her house and she's like berating him and then she just throws on and how the hell did you find out where i lived it just Ah, yeah, they're I love their relationship anyway. Robert, yeah, and sorry, and I just want to say, like I said, Ray Fines, man, he's been crushing, like his his interplay with Daniel Craig has been great, but um, yeah, I don't know how I'm sure you feel the same way about Fines, also. Yeah, he was delightful. He's he's more of just like you know, I would rather be anywhere else, but I don't want any other little bastard doing this job and fucking it up, so I might as well be here. Yeah, he's like the guy he doesn't want to be there, but he's there. And yeah. like it's like, and then he's just like you can tell he's just like he he can tell that like he's on a facade of like just like a fuck off facade of bomb, but deep down he's like, I kinda like the guy. Like 
which you see in Skyfall when you notice he he lies about him passing all his shit. And that's him kind of saying, like, no, I know he sucks, but like he's all we got. Like, he's the best we got for this. Yeah. I wonder if the other double O's are constantly like, again, can I get a good mission? It's always him. I I'm trained too. I'm a killer. I'm a spy. I could save the world. But you're not 007. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bernard Lee, you know, rest in peace, the first M, you know, the one like Sean Connery gave us what, you know, the template for what Bond's going to be. Bernard Lee essentially gave us a template for what M's going to be. Also, if we're talking about that, a lot of these guys brought to the, or, sorry, people, because, you know, Miss Judy Dench, uh, the you know, people after him brought to the role. Or because of him, um, with the you know, obviously the the trading bars back and forth with Bond, the idea that even at the end of the day, M inherently just trusts Bond, knows that Bond will get the job done, um, yeah. all that thanks to Bernard Lee. The moment in Octopussy where we get to see that on Robert Brown's face when Bond, you know, tells him about the connection in India, and M's like, "Well, you've got you know, book yourself on the next flight." And Bond pulls out a plane ticket, and he's like, "Yep, I've got fifty-five minutes to catch it." And as he's leaving, Robert Brown just like smirks, like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> there's my, there's my best agent. Like he doesn't say it, but you can see it on his face. He's like, "That's, he's the guy." That's <laughs> why I like you the most of all my doubles. <laughs> yeah, you think, you think like when the other. Made him, he just gets exasperated. Like 006 comes in, he's just like, Oh god, what do you want? I gave you all the mission already. What? What do you want? I would love a Bond film where the other double O's are so tired of him upstaging them that they decide to kill him. And but they're like he's too good for them. Like he keeps picking them off. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Or like they keep dying like Tucker and Dale style where they just keep killing themselves by accident. And Bond's not even aware of this plot. He's dealing with his own thing and agents keep dying around him. He's not sure why. <laughs> All these college kids are crazy killing themselves. <laughs> oh, God. Ah. Well, from there, uh, filming would go on as normal for any typical Bond filming, right? Um, Looking it up, you know, obviously there's stuff about their stunt work. Nothing out of the ordinary that a Bond film doesn't already do when it comes to stunt work and typical injuries and shit like that. So nothing out of the ordinary. Um, then I stated earlier, right, this film would get released. It'd be like almost every fucking Bond film that's come out. Box Office Rise is a huge hit, as we saw. Not most fans' favorite. But, uh, you know, still a huge hit at the box office. More mixed reviews from critics than most Bond films. Usually they tend to skew positive. This one, not so much. Uh, and kind of like boiling it down because the review is confusing because it's like contemporary reviews, retrospective reviews. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just give me the reviews. Um, what I was able to glean is that um, the action scenes and Maude Rimmel's portrayal kind of the things that seem to get consistent praise across the board for everyone. Everyone really does like, you know, everyone really likes Octopussy and <laughs> the action scenes. Um, but shots were taken at the at the length because this is over two hours long and you feel it. Um, the somewhat confusing plot and the intended humor that tends to fall flat. Um, and that's that's all I got for development hell. It's quite a lot. It's you know, I just I wonder what what it would be like if more had just been like, 
I don't need to do another one. And then had that thought four more times. <laughs> that would be great. Because <laughs> at some point he's got to he's got to look in the mirror and be like, I can't, like, I, it's not working. Like James Bond is not supposed to look like someone's granddad. No, I I need to look into it. I wonder what finally convinced him to just not do um the living daylights. What made him go like, you know what? No, you cannot convince me. I'm done. I'm out. Goodbye. I don't know. I'd like to look into that. When we end up ine- inevitably doing a view to a kill on this podcast, that's that'll be a good time to look into that. Yeah, it, it will be. It'll be interesting. Um, but with that, that, that was pretty uh pretty girthy. Beyond the bad. I'm not good with puns like Bond is, so don't come at me all you want. Um, I think it's good that we had some girth in our octopusy. There you go. I got you covered, buddy. I, you, you've watched Bond longer than I have, so I'll, I'll let you have this one. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, if you're ready, we can move on to awards. Sounds good. All right, let's move on to that part of the show. Starting with the Zack Snyder A.K. you're still not getting your Snyder cut. Stop thinking you are just because Henry Cavill's back, you sons of bitches. Uh, as I like to call it, the verse scene. We got the Snyder cut. What the hell are they complaining about? Oh, the Snyder verse, whatever it is. It's oh. not coming back. Everyone's all hopeful. Goes, oh, they brought back Henry Cavill. It's not, the Snyder verse isn't happening. We're seeing. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had some options here, but ultimately, so, I had yeah. to. I had to go with just like, are you serious? Like, really? What is Bond? Like 12? It's when he's in Q's uh, lab and he sees this new, like, was it called it like laser television or something? And he uses it to just zoom in on some chick's tits, like in I'm the so port. I picked some, I'm so glad I picked some of the things. I had that written down. In the background, he's just like, wonderful technology, Q. And her tits are just like, like popping on TV. And she's not even reacting. She's just like, oh, James. Oh, like workplace sexual harassment. (laughs) And Bond, who like literally gets laid every 20 minutes, is like, look, tits. Like, come on. Like, we love that when he stops looking at them, he doesn't move the camera. It just stays there. And she doesn't bother to move out of frame. She stays exactly like that. I'm like, oh, my God. It's so gratuitous. That character has no lines. And that actress was hired specifically because she had huge tits. The whole reason. That was I it. Bet, That's all he wants. I bet that audition was was interesting. It was like the 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 rumored Hooters auditions. Touch the wall. Oh my god! That's all I'm going to say for those oh. who have heard the rumors about how Hooters auditions. I don't know if those are real. Don't come at me. I just heard the rumors. I can't imagine in this like in today's climate that 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 restaurant is still in business. <laughs> I don't get it. I heard something. Someone was trying to, it was things that like, it was awkward things like boomers trying to blame millennials on stuff they killed. And boomers were trying to be like, oh, they killed. Uh, oh yeah. They literally, that's how they wrote it. They killed. Uh, millennials don't like tits. And it was because they're killing heaters. I'm like, no, we, we don't mind boobs. We also want good food. And I'm sorry. Heaters has trash ass food. I feel like our generation still loves tits. We just love them privately. <laughs> Yes, I was like, and look again. I don't mind establishments like Hooters and insert any other bikini bar restaurant you got going on. But if you're going to give me the the entertainment, seeing a beautiful lady, you know, not 
and revealing coloring. Give me good food to go with it. Give me a reason to actually want to come back and pay money for your fucking food. I think that there should, I think next to every Hooters in the world, there should be a Bulgies, which is a male equivalent. And, you know, you can go there and get, get a cocktail. But, um, yeah. Hey, look, if they had good food, I have no shame. Like, fuck it. We're going to Bulgies. I got good food over there. Anyway, I just think it's weird that this movie has a, like, goofy, gratuitous shot of a woman's breasts. Like, I thought, you know, James Bond is above that almost. Like, he doesn't need to do that. He's He can get the real thing, whatever he wants. He doesn't need to be like, look, at look, there's boobs. You see that? Like, it's it's so childish and unnecessary. Especially since this movie's pushing, you know, over two hours. Like, we could have cut that. Yeah, we could have easily cut that. It, yeah, I had that written down. I was like, no, let me find something else. So I'm glad you picked it. Um, my scene, it's another moment of me just going, what the fuck, Bond? And that's just because this moment really stretches him being the best spy that they possibly have in this organization. And it is after he has sex with Magda, and I'm assuming gives her the time of her life for the night, as we assume Bond does every fucking moment he sleeps with. Um, Because they all afterwards like to die for him or go on his side so he's blowing minds every time um but the next morning she i want to air quote this because i know we're not a visual medium so mind you the next thing the next word i'm saying is air quoted discreetly steals the fucking egg and plans her escape aka wrapping her shit in front of bond around the balcony escapes and bond doesn't notice a fucking thing it 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 you watch her when she grabs the egg. First off, just openly pulls it out of his like robe pocket. As he's walking up, he is walking up behind her. I was paying attention as she's grabbing it, and, she, and there's a mirror. There's a fucking mirror in front of them, and she's like, "Oh, James!" And it's like the most like obvious. I'm hiding something. <laughs> Move, and the whole time Bond's fucking. And at first, I was like, "Well, maybe he's you know blinded by the power of the boner." I'm like. Well, no, they already slept. They already did the deed. He already got what he wanted. I'm like, Bond, you're just a terrible spy at this point. How did you not see that? And then follow that out with her escape. In, again, in front of him. On the balcony. He's behind her. She is just, without hiding her, what her arms are doing, tying the fucking shit around the pole, and then just jumps off. And I'm like, Bond, you're a fucking idiot, dude. None of that was discreet, and you somehow didn't notice. Well, you know, Bond's getting older. You know, mind is the first thing to go. Those spy reflexes aren't what they used to be. <laughs> I'm telling Sean Connery, man. So he he would have slapped her at some point. Been like, what are you doing, woman? Turn around, slapped her. <laughs> and then the egg would have fallen. He would have found the egg, but no. Roger Moore, she just does everything openly in front of him, and he somehow doesn't notice, and we're supposed to believe he is the world's greatest spy. I feel like her character and Octopussy should have been combined into one character. Yes. Yes. Because they make, they again, she's in our character, like, is she good? Is she bad? Like, what is she? God. <laughs> yes. And that actually goes right into my next award. Oh, perfect. Uh, now that I've ranted enough about that, saying you have any... Do you have anything out on that scene where you do you not see where my anger comes from? No, it's obnoxious. 
But there's a yeah. lot of scenes in this movie that just kind of happen, and Bond just lets happen to like advance sure. the plot forward. A lot. Oh. All right, but yeah, let's let's see, let's see what that's how this transitions to your next one. Uh, the Ed Wood worst line. Well, this is also said by Magda. It's when Bond and her are uh, in flagrante. And she um, he, he sees a little tattoo of an octopus and says to her, what's that? And she goes, oh, that's my little octopusy. And I have two problems with this. One. First, wait real quick. Yeah. We have the yeah. same line. Go on. I wrote <laughs> the same thing. It's obnoxious and is a ham-fisted way to throw your title into this thing. And two, shouldn't this be said by octopusy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. It should absolutely be said by Octopussy. It felt like they had to justify why they called this film have the word pussy in the title of the film. Let's be honest. Like, look, come at me. I'm not approved. I could care less about calling your character Octopus. It's a ridiculous fucking name. But uh, the fact that they got away with that title, the word pussy, in the title. Granted, we also live in a world where Jackass. It's a famous movie series. Um, I feel like that was our way of having to justify the title. Like, if we say it in the movie, and then they, you know, we show that it's tied off their character, it'll be okay. True, but then also, like, this is why I, you know, think Magda and Octopussy should have just been one character because then he, you know, she gets to say that, oh, that's my. It makes sense for Octopussy to have a tattoo of an octopus, not this other lady. It it would make sense if they established that she makes all her women that work for her have that tattoo. But that's never established. No, it, there's so much that isn't established here that just happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, her her line delivery of that is awful. It yep. is like the terrible delivery. That's my little octopusy. I I said that better than she did. I think. I'm being completely honest. <laughs> I also love just because this like from Moonraker on. I, I so Daniel Craig kept in shape. Brosnan kept in shape. Moore just didn't care. He seeing his like fifty and then like sixty year old flabby self in bed with like some of the hottest women on earth always makes me laugh. <laughs> Gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, he he stopped caring. He's like, look, I am James Bond. All right. Women aren't sleeping with me. They're sleeping with the brand. <laughs> Let's be honest about that right now. <laughs> Doesn't matter which man has this name, they're betting the name. I am just a lucky man that has the name, so I'm enjoying it while I can. <laughs> uh, all right, well, yeah, I, I have some other lines right now that I can't remember, but Man, as soon as she said this, for me, the main thing was her delivery. I went, yep, that's it. I I had another one that I almost wrote down. It's towards the end of the movie where Octopussy confronts uh, Kamal Khan about betraying her. And he just, he says her name twice condescendingly, and it just weirds me out. He's just like, Octopussy. Octopussy. It's creepy the way he did he, that. He has some terrible line delivery at times, like when Bonnie escapes the horrendous sequence in the jungle and um, he gets on the boat and he just looks at him at the moment and goes, 
strange man indeed or some shit like that. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? The whole like, time just shoot him from there. I kept thinking of Scott and Austin Powers just be like, I got a gun in my room. Give me five minutes. I'll get it. I'll blow their brains out. Like, let's just end this. I kept thinking about that, especially in this one. He had so many opportunities to kill Bond. And he just kept being like, you have a nasty habit of showing up. It's like, just kill him. Have your yeah. like manservant squeeze his head like he squeezed those dice. Yeah, like I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, he's literally on a boat waving smugly like, haha, I got away. And I'm like, you have a whole lot of people that I know brought guns. Why don't you just shoot him? Instead, you make some stupid line that made me roll my eyes like, oh, fuck, that was bad. <laughs> and then we move on. Uh, which is a great segue then to the Steven Seagal, the worst performance. Who did uh, you pick? I got to give this to Roger Moore. Oh, damn, we have different. I thought maybe we have the same. I just think okay. that at, one, at some point in the Bond franchise, I got to give it to Moonraker. He just he started sleepwalking. He's like, I'm going to take the check. I'm going to stop working out, and I'm just going to do this until somebody tells me to stop. Like, clearly not telling me to stop. No, in these later films, he's just, you know, one noting it and cashing the check and just, you know, not really putting a lot of effort in. And that hurts the film when your main guy, when your main actor doesn't care. Why am I going to care? Yeah, no, it, like I said, it's, it's amazing. And this probably explains why sometimes if like you're marathoning, especially if like you do in a way where you watch each actor's films, right? Um, it it's kind of tough to marathon Moore's era of Bond films because like the first half feel exciting and fun because the films are good, he's engaged, and then you get to like Moonraker onward, and I'll I'll get I'll, I'm gonna count with you. Moonraker's just like its plot so ridiculous that I have a good time with it. But yeah. like especially after that, you know, it's very obvious he is sleepwalking that he's cashing a check, and the films itself aren't very good. He's not very good. And you're just like it's it's a fucking chore to get through like the last three Roger Moore films. You're just like Jesus Christ. Fun fact, I'm confirming this right now. Moonraker is one of the few movies that intersects all three of our podcasts. It's a negatively reviewed movie. It has an Oscar nomination for visual effects, and it's an action film. It's one of the few films we could do on all three shows. Oh sweet Jesus! Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Moonraker's fun, but also that should have been it. I mean, go out on your space movie and then let Timothy Dalton to have his moment. Yeah, look, do what Jason Voorhees did before we finally got this this new show that I'm I'm uh, I listened to a terrifying episode. I'm watching it with you guys. For all the fans that are playing, shut the fuck up. We haven't had anything new in 13 years. Shut up. We're finally getting it. Until then, though, do what Jason did and just end it on the space movie. <laughs> Your favorite restaurant is finally open again. I'm sorry if they don't have the dish you loved, but give it a chance. Yeah, because guess what? If you watch it, and enough people watch it, that might convince them to talk to the studio to make the movie, which, yes, we ultimately fucking want. I get that. If you watch it, they will come. Yes. I will sure be watching that show. I'm excited. I cannot wait. Um, But yeah, uh, Good pick. Um, that actually works out because I picked uh, what I kind of talked about earlier when I said, you know, if you have a weak villain, mm. can I get a weak Bond film nine times out of ten? And I think this villain is weak as fuck. So this is going to Louis Jordan. He is 
not good. I, I he's not intimidating. It starts to get confusing towards when of like, is he the actual villain or someone else? Like he disappears for large chunks of the film. And then you think, oh, they have an, an high because then they introduce the whole Russian Soviet, uh sorry, the Soviet thing. Yeah, I General Orlov, I believe, is like the main villain of the movie. He hires Kamal Khan because of Fabergé eggs and a circus. And I don't I don't know. I just know that Orlov's at the top of the pyramid here. Yes. And I mean, he's really not even that great as a villain either. But we're showing we get more time with and he is he's lackluster. He's a lackluster Bond villain. He says a lot of stupid lines that just make me roll my eyes. Well, he hits all the major Bond villain check marks. You know, he challenges Bond to a game of some sort that he wins and then loses at. He's got some weird thing about him. In this case, he's like an exiled Afghan prince who walks around with a very strong manservant. And yeah, ultimately, he's just like, you know, not a physical threat. I don't think has there ever been like a a main villain physical threat, not a side kick villain but like a major main villain i don't think there has not off the top of my head no i think the closest we've ever i would say the closest we've ever gotten was twice in the craig era with um javier bardem and mads mickelson i'm gonna say no to mads because he was more of an accountant kind of guy but i will give you silva I'm saying mads only because i've seen polar which as shitty as that was we know the guy can do action yeah, but he and Bond didn't actually fight. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, okay. I was just saying as far as I like, can actually that like, could bring it. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Then yeah, okay. Then yeah, then just Javier about him. Yeah. I'm going through him in my head. I guess Scaramanga. He's oh yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah. yeah. He's the only one that's, that's because I mean, that's Christopher Lee. He's kind of, he has that kind of like Miles Mickelson factor that you think you know that guy could probably do some damage. Yeah. In a real fight, like Scaramanga wins that fight 100% every time. <laughs> 100%. But yeah, I'm with you. Lewis Jordan is is a weak villain. The, the characters that really make a lot of sense. I don't really get how India factors into this whole thing when it's supposed to be about like taking over like East Germany or West Germany. Uh, I don't get it. But yeah, he's... I Ever since I saw Swamp Thing, I just see him as Anton Arcane. So, I'm so glad I haven't seen like that particular movie because anytime you mention Swamp Thing, I think it's a really awesome, should not have been canceled TV show. God, it still makes me angry. Maybe James Gunn is your savior. Maybe he'll look into that. I hope he brings back Swamp Things. I really like that show. At least if he does bring it back, you get Derek Mears to come back. God damn it. As Swamp Thing. Yeah, interesting choice. I I had a feeling you were going to go with that guy. Yeah, I I was tossing some other ones. I was like, you know me. I tried to not to. I I was just avoiding Roger Moore if I could. Just be like, well, let me try to get something outside the box. I mean, ultimately, if I couldn't pick anything, I was just falling back on that. Um, but as I was watching, as film went on, I was like, I just really don't like this fucking villain. Like it's it's him. Yeah, sometimes you gotta admit, you know, it's it's not me, it's you. Yeah, and speaking of, it's not me, it's you. Uh, the Michael Bay. Somehow that segue works. Uh, the worst filmmaking decision. What did would you come up with? Ultimately, it's the title. 
I think this is a stupid title. They never should have called this movie Octopussy. They should have rethought that and thought, this is a bad idea. Let's call this something else. Like, how about, you know, The Property of a Lady, which comes up in the movie and is one of Ian Fleming's short story titles that is yet to be used. That, yeah. I my I, I feel like this is such, like, as much as I'm, like, like incredible, like, amazingly at with this title. At the same time, you can only do it in the 80s when everyone's high on coke and no one went bad idea everyone went like after a line like some executive popped up from their table just that's a great idea octopusy it is <laughs> i guess i mean there's no other explanation I, this thing went through the entire writing process with everyone being like on board with this yeah i'm telling you or like he's just their producer man with amount of coke just looked up and went uh-huh yeah uh, yeah uh-huh cool not even really thinking about it just like uh-huh yeah sure sounds good and back to his amount of cocaine <laughs> yeah man ah so my t- yeah the title is my is my channel my choice it's just from the get-go i'm like i'm, I'm not gonna like this i can just tell like this is gonna be obnoxious it, it doesn't even make sense like I would have loved an actual backstory on like how the fuck you name someone octopusy. Yeah. Well like well, well we get it in the short story. It's her dad. I'll say, you know what? I say <laughs> that and I don't want to know how the dad came with that. I I take it back. I take it back. Just don't name it octopusy. You don't need to name someone in life octopusy. I my my Michael Bay. <laughs> my worst filmmaking decision. Um, and that was I look. I have to agree with the critics on this one. The fucking film's humor does not work. Um, between the costumes that are just they're more dumb and really cheap, and the fact that he's supposed to be this lethal lethal secret agent, and above all the fucking obnoxious Tarzan meal <laughs> that happens, it's like, oh my god, what are we doing? This guy's supposed to be able to kick ass, and he's a fucking goof. It's as if like Austin Powers inserted himself into the movie. <laughs> yeah I, I i had to rewind that because i wasn't sure i actually heard a fucking tarzan yell in this movie and yeah turns out it's in there it's in there and if you pay it if you if you pay attention it's a pretty terrible adr job because you can see that it's clearly not him yelling there's a lot of random weird moments where bond will just go like Blah! like and just make like a weird noise to like scare somebody in this movie it happens a couple times Sounds like Raj was like, they were like, okay, look, Raj, bud, we need to sound intimidating and frightening. You're a lethal secret agent. He goes, I don't give a shit, but I gotcha. Raj. They call him Raj at this point. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The films and the films, humor, it tries. And I'm not saying like James Bond isn't funny. Like, there's definitely moments. From all the films, especially like Craig, obviously had some shit that he that he says like quick snappy reports to people, you know, witticism that you know makes me laugh. So I'm not saying like you can't have humor in a James Bond film. Just make it work. Make it work with the tone of the fucking film, not this shit. Yep, I agree. It just feels like everyone was sleepwalking through this. They're like, we got to just keep making these till Raj is done, and then we can really get back to. The root of this thing. Someone on there was like, "Are we ever actually going to tell Tim that he has it?" I just picture him in like 
You remember in audition when the lady's just waiting by the phone, just staring at it? I pictured Tim yeah. doing that through the production of these last few Bond movies, just being like, they're going to call. They said they'd call. It's going to happen. <laughs> call. His wife comes in. Uh, you know, they're, they're coming out with the rock, uh, the other one. Where he goes, they're still going to call. There's always going to be another movie. <laughs> no, I can't go out. They might call. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, I will not do Doom Patrol. I, they will call like all these years later. He still thinks he's James Bond. He still thinks he's on contract. He's waiting for the call. I think that's how they got for Doom Patrol. They're like, yeah, it's totally James Bond. And then he goes, why is it called Doom Patrol? Just trust us. Actually, I think he hated Bond and like the way he ended up getting kind of forced out. He said the most fun he ever had on a film set was Hot Fuzz. I've heard about that. Yeah. Just nice. I love that, that movie. That was good. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is good. He's actually like I say, I, I don't mention a couple times. He is really good in um the seasons he was in in um Doom Patrol. He was really good in that. Um for those of you who want to see Braden Fraser come back, by the way, check out Doom Patrol. He is awesome in Doom Patrol. So uh but now for something more positive with this film. Hopefully, maybe the the silver lining. Uh one one positive we took away. What did you come up with? I've always loved John Barry's score for this one. He did the score for most of the Bond franchise up until I think Living Daylights. I might be wrong about that. But I love his like the music during the fight scenes is so good. He really does a great job just keeping you in the Bond mood. He's he's always done that. So I went with Barry's score for this. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, this, the the score the scores. Um, I mean, obviously, they, I feel like they get overshadowed a lot because everyone, you know, is like, "Oh, what's the what's the opening title song going to be?" Blah blah. Um, I mean, it could be the simple fact that because I will absolutely not listen to the fucking song till the I go see the film. Um, for those who haven't learned that yet, I don't. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, but yes. That's right. For the two years that No Time to Die got delayed, I did not at any point in that time listen to the song until I sat my ass in the theater to watch No Time to Die and the movie started playing. That's commitment. Yeah, it's just my thing. I don't know why I don't like listening. When they're releasing the Halloween scores for this new trilogy thing that happened, um, I would not listen to them until I actually paid money to go see it in theater. So just my thing. I don't like listening to the scores of the music before the phone comes out. It's my, my, my little thing. Um, but uh, I feel like because of that, right, because of the hype for that, uh, it's, it's this actual score for the film tends to get overshadowed. Mine is obviously the the theme song we all know. As soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, James Bond. Um, outside of that, I think it does get kind of overshadowed when a lot of times it's actually really good. Um, because at the end of that that song that we all love, they only play it during the opening sequence, and then it's done. Like after that, you get a traditional fucking movie score. Um, and they usually tend to be really good. So yeah, I can agree with that. That yeah, and I just like for once someone shouting out the score to a Bond film that's not the opening title song. I've yeah, I've, I love John Barry's score. My fa- my personal favorite of his entire run is Moonraker. Uh, there's a, a bit of score called Flight into Space that is so operatic and larger than life. It feels like you know, a sci-fi villain's theme. Such a great score. Look that up on YouTube. John Barry, Flight into Space. 
And it's yeah, it's it's great. It's great. He he outdid himself with Moonraker. Yeah. Oh, that 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 that's a good shot. Yeah. It the scores for bot films usually are are pretty pretty goddamn good. Um for me, when I took again, kind of I kind of agree with the critics on this one a lot because I was pretty like unengaged with all the good turn of this film. I do actually think the action scenes are still pretty damn good. I thought if there's one if there's one thing this film did rise out a lot of the action scenes are actually still pretty fun, exciting, and hold up. Um, like you know, obviously the whole fight thing on the plane with that one guy is so it actually pretty exciting, like climax. I'll oh, give them credit, like that's that was a really fun climax. Um, the you know the chase through India, the chase through the streets, um, the siege on like that fort by the 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 island of women. That obviously, Bond's not going to go to. Um, yeah, the the action scenes still for the most part they 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 move. They're exciting. They're fun to watch. They they do hold up really well. I think. I agree with you, but I do think they're kind of ruined in this movie by that humor problem that keeps coming like during the siege on the palace there's that bit where like bond's about to knock his balls into that like pedestal thing and he's like ah and shoots that on the fight with gobinda on the plane he literally like pulls back a antenna and whacks him in the face and he's like ah and then falls off the plane like that okay i'll I'll give you the one i did kind of roll my eyes with the like shooting the thing off not especially because like i'm like no bond you're still going to destroy your ball sack though because that is a jagged ass thing you're fucking sliding on. So I was like, yeah, you saved your nuts from temporary pain, but you're going to be bleeding profusely out of your nut sack. So good luck with that, buddy. Um, I didn't mind the antenna thing. I actually, I that was one time I was like, I laughed and I was like, okay, you earned that laugh for me. I like that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, to me, but, it was. Just- but I do see. I I get where you're coming from. Yes. Yeah. They again. It's that that humor. They just keep trying so hard to make work that doesn't fucking work. I almost had the action scenes. I I really like the siege on the fortress where you know it's like hot circus chicks versus they look like the bad guys from Aladdin because that's what I'm assuming the producers think Indian soldiers look like. And they all have the curvy swords and all that. It's like come on, but. Yeah, I was entertained. Yeah, it was. It, it entertained me enough that to went to the point that like the action would be done. And we get to the you know, the the part of the film, and this is when you know because usually a good Bond film, like Casino Royale, right? That's a film that is essentially you're watching a fucking poker tournament. Any other filmmaker that would have been boring or shit, but they knew how to make that exciting and keep you engaged. And that's the trick to another other than the villain. Another good trick to making a good Bond film. Make the actual spy work that isn't the action scenes engaging. And yeah. anytime this film got outside of those action scenes when he was supposed to do spy work and talk to people and all that stuff, it was boring as fuck. That's a problem with a lot of the Bond films is they don't really know how to go between action sequences. Uh, even like even some of the great ones, there's a lot of drag in a lot of the Bond films. But when they get to those action sequences, most of the time we all forget that. Yeah, well, I think it's also because like, does, is it me or does it feel like they they feel obligated to make these films over two hours when they honestly don't have to every time? Yeah, you're not wrong. They like, yeah, like even uh, was it Spectre, which I liked more than most people did, 
But even then, I watching it again, you know, I've seen it about maybe two, three times. Even I can watch it and be like, you guys could have shaved like 30 fucking minutes off this goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't know why they do that. Especially oh, lately, you know, blockbusters have just been getting longer and longer. I mean, Avatar 2 is clocking over three hours. So it's just, it's, I don't know. They want more bang, more bang for the buck, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's to the point that, like, if I see a film advertise itself below two hours, I'm like, oh, thank you, God. This is going to be great. <laughs> right? Like, even, like, what was it Halloween ends? When I saw it was, like, an hour and 50, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> All you got to do is give me Michael and Laurie fighting. Why is it an hour and 50? And then I watched the film, I was like, oh, God, this is why. But that's for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I'm to the point now where I'm like, just please give me, like, that sweet hour and a half run time. Just give me in, out, done. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, unnecessary. I'll take one exception. One exception. If John works over two hours long, John works over two hours long, I'm not complaining because I'm just going to naturally assume it's going to be filled with action scenes. Well, that's what it is. To me, like, if you're going to be that long, you got to earn it. That's why, like, Avengers Endgame, for instance, no problem at all. I'll watch that movie all the time. It's er It earns its three-hour runtime. Eternals does not. No, it's yeah, it, yeah. No, I'm with you. Endgame earns it. It turns to not. I would even say Black Panther, 100, the upcoming one, earns. I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, it's not out. But I'm going to just preemptively say it absolutely earns its fucking runtime because I know people are like, oh my god, it's like two hours and forty minutes. I'm like, I. It earns. Think about it. It's that they have to honor the death of Chadwick Boseman. They have to close out a phase, start a new phase tell the story that they want to tell for this like i was like i the length for this to me makes sense i'm gonna reserve judgment till i've seen the film but i think you're probably right yeah um plus i guess i can be a little bit forgiving after i sat through terrifier 2 which is almost two and a half <laughs> and that's a slasher movie but again that's not any shakes i really like terrifier 2 and i'm so happy you you know people supported it throughout the month and made the success it was because that only means that we are going to get more art the clown mm -hmm. yes um, but yeah run god do you, yeah these change my run time sometimes i'm like god do we have to be over two hours long um well that's all i got for the awards is that all you got all right with that let's close the book on the awards this week and now open it to find out what's in the box There are a lot of pussy jokes in the box, but that's not really a surprise. In fact, the phrase pussy jokes in the box is a pussy joke, so you're welcome. Um, this film is rocking a 2.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so pretty middle ground. Not, you know, horrendous, but not amazing. Uh, and I have five interesting reviews here. I'm going to start with a pussy joke, and I'm going to end with a pussy joke. So, nice sandwich there. First up, this is from... <laughs> I just know I didn't look at any of the sandwich. My God, I didn't look at any of the names, uh, so I'm laughing here. This is from Pube. God, <laughs> why did you not? <laughs> you give me shit about not checking if films are available for us to watch for this show, and you did not vet that part out. You, I'm glad it's here. That that's a nice little bonus. Uh. <laughs> I bet the Octomom wished she had one of these. Three stars. Oh, my God. Oh my God. 
Three stars and a heart, which means they thought the movie was all right and they loved it. <laughs> I hate the heart system. Look, I love Letterbox. I think it's a great system. I hate the heart system. I agree. Me too. I like a number. Give me a number. Uh, <laughs> creepy visual, though. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, no, he said that. It's funny, but now I'm having the visual. Oh, God, no. All right, this next one is from... Tentacles. Oh, I'm not done with that. Uh, next up, Matt the Snapper. If I wanted to watch an 80s action adventure with outdated, over-the-top Indian stereotypes, I'd rather just rewatch Temple of Doom. Two and a half stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Temple of Doom is a far more entertaining, better film. Yeah, I guess this is a hot take. Fuck all you guys that keep saying Temple of Doom is like the worst. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it hasn't aged all that well, but it's still a wildly entertaining movie. Yeah, wildly entertaining. Look, if you want to say that in the same vein, a franchise that has Canada Crystal Skulls, okay. Okay. This next one is from Chris Sims. I can't. It's been 30 years, and it's just, I just cannot fucking believe they really called this movie Octopussy. Two and a half stars. I was wondering when he said I can't. I'm like, oh shit, what does he hate about this movie? <laughs> well, I'm not the only one that sat here for a, a good chunk of my life going, why did they name it this? And how did they get away with it? I'll never understand. I know that when Austin Powers 3 was coming out, the fake movie in the movie is called Austin Pussy. And they actually tried to make that the title of the third Austin Powers movie, but they got turned down. They were told, like, no, that's inappropriate. It's like, how is it any more inappropriate than Octopussy? Yeah. What was the, why is there a line drawn on that? I don't know. They also toyed. I, I was reading the, the titles that didn't quite make it in the Austin Powers franchise. Some of them were like outrageous. I remember Tomorrow Never Comes was suggested. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm surprised Live and Let Shag wasn't one of them. Maybe that'll be part four. Some of these are sound like the porno version of... And you really have hope part four is going to happen, and if it does, it's going to be any good. Like, when's the last time Mike Morris is in a good movie? It is 100% going to happen. I doubt it will be good, but it's going to happen. He will force that movie into existence. He needs it. Yeah, he does. I'm about to say it if it does happen, like let's just be honest, he has yet to have a win a win like in years. Yeah. Well, this uh this next one's from Loafed King. In one of the Jackass movies, they explained how they wanted to make a skit that contained every India stereotype they could think of while they were shooting in India. Ultimately, they left it out of the movie because it wasn't that good or funny. The Bond franchise, on the other hand, left all the stereotypes in Octopussy. Which I guess is no surprise, but it is kind of funny to me when comparing to Jackass. <laughs> in general, they left a lot in this. They left in a lot of this movie that they probably shouldn't have. It's quite overlong with almost no narrative flow. It has some moments, but they are barely pieced together. And by last half an hour, I just wanted it to hurry up and end. Can't believe they got away with this title and the reasoning for the name. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love it. like Jackass was like, we don't want to hurt people's feelings, and Bond was like, let her rip. <laughs> 
I love how in so many situations, Jackass has been brought up and they've always been the good guys. Yeah, they are. Like, they always take the moral high ground. They don't want to hurt people unless it's physical and their choice. <laughs> it's consensual pain. Exactly. It's content. <laughs> That's funny. And yeah, they do keep ending up in the conversation. <laughs> it's they are they are like the backbone to just the film industry. It's the jackass guys. <laughs> and this final one, I told you I was gonna end on a pussy joke. This is from Riley Morgan. She did, in fact, not have eight pussies. Disappointed, misled, and somewhat confused. Three stars and a heart. The <laughs> heart, God damn it. I don't get it. The people are like, it was all right, but I did love it. It doesn't make yeah. sense. <laughs> like, you have, look, a heart is anything that, to me, four stars or higher. That's a heart. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, but that's what's in the box. Oh, that is great. God damn it. The jackass one really got me. It's so funny. Basically, the jackass boys were like, look, let's not be offensive here. Like, we're shooting in India. Let's not be offensive. Jesus. And mom just went, let's be as offensive as we possibly fucking can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not surprised. The more I learn about the jackass guys, the more I realize they're pretty stand-up dudes. They're really... (laughs) They just really like that content. Yeah. I mean, if I got paid, you know, millions of dollars to just, you know, jump off of shit and launch myself into shit, I'd, I'd probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like how Knoxville can't fucking remember how many times he's been hospitalized. That's that's terrifying. I get it, though. I mean, at some point you stop counting. <laughs> I still love on that family feud when he told Steve Harvey that and, he, and Steve Harvey's just looking at him and he goes, and literally on there, he goes, you got a lot of content out of it, like four movies. I do love that. I did watch that, by the way. I finally watched that. And yeah, that was a, that was hysterical. He's just like, hey, you know, it's it's life. That's life. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's that stupid answer. I love that he's wearing the same suit as Steve Harvey. <laughs> like, that's the funniest part of that whole thing for me. <laughs> Oh, like I like when he zapped himself when he said a bad answer, and everyone's like, he just he's like, oh, that hurts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Jackass, for once again gracing our podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now when we do our top ten, hint, hint, into a movie that will be on mine. It won't be the last. Ah. <laughs> oh. Good to, good to know that in a in a pandemic, what brought us all back together was <laughs> jackass forever. Oh, all right. Uh, if that is all that's in the box, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Sounds good. So, for our next week's episode, our social media stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Film Guys and Productions. Where she is. Thank you to cover that one. My bad. You want to shoot us a recommendation? Feel free to email us at filmgasm.com. As you, because you're laughing, it's. I'm trying to keep a straight face. I'm, I'm not even here. 
If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. And then finally, feel free to go on our website, filmgasm.com, for reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. With that, next week, we'll be going down the family route with a film that doesn't have a title like Octopussy and looking at the animated film Mars Needs Moms. That's right, a failed Disney film. This will be a nice change of pace. It's nice to go after the House of Mouse for their many, many failures that just get swept under the rug and forgotten about within like three months. Yep, until they put it on Disney Plus for you to watch and rediscover and go, what the fuck were you thinking? Um, <laughs> yes. So this will be nice. Yes. On Filmgasm, we'll be looking at you. God damn it. I'm just fucking breaking out at the end. Uh, on Filmgasm, we'll be looking at a Shutter original, uh, Superhost. Super, if you haven't seen it, super fun film. Highly enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but definitely something I'm looking forward to watching it and talking about. And on Oscar Sunday, they'll be looking at the 1982 satirical romantic comedy. I got all of that off of the Wikipedia. Pitsy. Uh, most I know about is that Jessica Lange is in it. I think that's actually one of the, the Oscar noms. I think was uh she got nominated, I believe. She won. This was her first win. That's right. And you know what? I'm all about that. She is a fucking phenomenal actress. So hell yeah, you go, Jessica Lang. Yeah. Right on. Until then. Whenever the ward is in trouble from a I have that word again, I fucked up on, so I'm gonna say whenever the ward's in trouble. From a crazy Soviet general. Wait, that's kind of like now. Uh, remember the man for the job. Bond. James Bond. See you all next week on Beyond the Bad. Beyond the Bad.